nation. Raging review. The Raging Cajuns will be a source of pride for this university, for the alumni, fans, and donors as we achieve success in the classroom, in the competitive arena, and in the community. It's about to get really fun. We're looking for dudes that will stand up. Well, Coach, let me tell you today, I'm here and I'm ready to stand up. And I challenge you, Raging Cajun Nation, to stand up with us. Stand up with us. Let's lock hand in hand. And let's walk through the gates of Omaha. Hey, I love y'all boys. Let's grind every day starting today. Let's do it. Y'all ready? Alert! Alert! Ready! Who's that team ready? Who's that team ready? That's up! I got one thing to say right here. Cajun win! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Ragin' Review Podcast. Nick. Jerry, Josh, take a little bit of a, a layoff for Easter. Easter Bunny was good to us. We'll check in with Nick and Jerry to see uh, what they got in their basket. But uh, had a good week over here at the Jogno household, so no complaints. Uh, enjoyed some golf last week, so we'll maybe give a shout-out to the Masters champion real quick. I don't know if you guys watched, but uh, how are things, boys? Things are good. Watched, uh, Yeah, watched some of the uh, golf on TV today. Um, that was That was fun. Watched a little bit of the Masters. Got to enjoy some quality time with my boy Josh and uh, Mrs. Jagno as well. That was a lot of fun. Uh, always good to hang out with you boys in person when I'm in town. Unfortunately, Jerry uh, couldn't make it. We missed you, man. You you missed out on some really good biscuits uh, and and pies that my mom made. But all in all, it's been a good couple of weeks and, and glad to be back in the saddle. Yeah, guys, sorry I couldn't make it. Um, I know you had a lot of fun without me, uh, but uh, no, I had family in town and we were they were visiting and as, and also uh, my daughter wasn't feeling too well. So I, I was kind of there in spirit, but it was nice to get a little bit of a break uh, these last two weeks. But I know we have a lot to talk about. Also want to give a shout out. I uh, wish my wife a happy anniversary. She's been stuck with me for seven years, uh, seven years today. Uh, we've been married. So uh, wait, hold on a second. You. That's that's the magic number. Seven years, like, I think there's a statistic. It's like, you know, over 60% of marriages last after seven years. So Okay, good. That's a good thing. You're going to make That's it, Jerry. All right. Job. Yes. Good work. Yes, thank you. No, I had, to, I had to give the shout out to my wife, Kayla. Love you, babe, and happy anniversary. Um, it was a great day to celebrate our anniversary. Uh, we went to brunch, took the little one to brunch with us. And, um, and apparently, Allie, my daughter, is good luck because we didn't go to the first game of the doubleheader. We went to the second and we won. She's four and zero for she's four and zero for UL baseball games. So I think now I I I probably have to bring her to every game. Yeah, forward. you better start bringing her more <laughs> games because we gonna need all the help we can get. We need anything at this point. <laughs> but but anyway, guys, great to be back. Good good to see y'all as always. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you were about two and a half minutes, maybe one decision away from being forcefully removed from your home. Last weekend, Nick and I were getting in the car. I was like, all right, we're going to make Jerry do what we want. I've heard. I've heard. I, I heard. I could tell. And um, <laughs> I would have loved to to see the the scene if y'all would have barged into the house, right? Uh, it would have been fun to watch. <laughs> I'd have liked to see that scene, to be honest with you. We were, <laughs> I mean, we were getting a little, uh, yeah, we were we were on the on the edge, on the verge of doing that, but you look Well, well we I'll did. say this. Summer, summertime's around the corner, so there'll be a lot more plenty of time for us to hang out and have a good time. Allegedly. Uh, but no, 
<laughs> no, we really did have a good time, and, and shout out to Nick and his parents. They they were great hosts, so we had a lot of fun. Crawfish was good. Catherine ended up baking stuff. I think we debated the price is right for about an hour. Uh, you know, just regular. And a, by the way, my Saturday mom pulled out my mom pulled out her iPad and showed her friends uh, the the podcast while we were there. So we have new fans. Know, we spread that spread the the Cajun across the nation. Right? Is that what we're doing? Whatever it takes, any any whether it's a, a family get together, any type of gathering, social scene, whatever it takes, man. Absolutely. So the Masters has been two weeks, but I want to say shout out to John Rom. I was an awesome performance. It was such a tumultuous tournament. And I know you guys are not super golf nuts, but I am. And uh, it was one of uh, a more memorable tournament because the rain, the, the weather, the, the leaderboard shaped up to be uh, pretty good towards the end. You had some, some names that you didn't expect to be there early. So it, I don't know. I, I, think, I think overall the tournament was kind of meh, you know, five out of 10. But I think Sunday afternoon really delivered. John Rahm was fantastic. Brooks Kepka, the whole live narrative, you know, that's a that's a big thing in golf right now. So that was cool. So I just wanted to kind of give a little bit of shout out to John Rahm. Not that we, he needs it from us, but by the way, Fitzpatrick today. I mean, again, I don't get into golf, but I watched the end of whatever tournament I was watching today with my neighbors and Fitzpatrick and that whole drama in the playoff, you know, three holes thing that they do. That was uh, his, fun. His approach on the third on the third was ridiculous. That was obnoxious. And Steve can't catch a break, dude. Dude, like Poor he guy. had two he had two easy putts. You hit one of those and you're you're done. Couldn't do it. The sick thing is that he was one of the best putters on tour for ten years. And, and then now, Fitzpatrick hits this insane drive, and then you know, I don't know. Golf is hard. That's all I know. That's golf. That's, That's baseball. Golf. Let's go. So so that uh, also want to give a shout out to Planet Radio. Our, our media partner who is absolutely killing it in these Twitter streets and on social media and the town's talking about it. Planet, Ma- Planet Radio has made a comeback for the ages. Everybody's fired up. My wife, who doesn't even like 90s music, is listening to the Planet, trying to get the Raging Review updates, and she's starting to get into, like, you know, uh, she likes Oasis, I guess, but she's, she's listening to all the old good stuff, and uh, I just wanted to, I think Chris is doing a fantastic job. Uh, I listened to the uh, Saturday show, to, or, or Saturday the emo show. I don't know if you guys caught it, but it's pretty good. It's the emo show on Saturday. It's all the old feel good, feel bad songs. So it's been good. The planet's been killing it. Yeah. <laughs> and you didn't good. listen to the Hangover Cafe today? Come on, man. I was at the soccer field. Oh, man. But, but I do have it keyed up to be played on Monday when I have all some, right. some downtime in the office. So we're going to get. So Nick is on the Hangover, Hangover Cafe for people that don't know. That's Nick's show, and he does an awesome job. Uh, but they have so many good shows on. Uh, on the on the planet already, and it, he the way that Chris is building it back is it's perfect. It's nostalgic, and and I have to say, you know, Chris has done a fantastic job. No, not only selfishly because Rage Review Review gets their seg, we get our segments on there, but the music it brings back so many memories. Like yesterday, we're driving back home uh, from we went somewhere, and Kayla and I are jamming to um, a Fat Boy Slim. You know, right about now, the Funk Soul Brother. And we just kept singing it, and it was like it was like. Like we're in grade school. Keep going. I want to hear the rest of it. Go ahead. Check it out now. <laughs> the funk soul brother right about now. Bro, 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 I was bro, joking. Bro, bro, you can bro, stop bro, bro, now. Bro, bro. We're good. We're Come good. for the sports. Stay for the singing. <laughs> it, it really is good. It's good to have it back. I'm, I'm so glad that Chris has got this opportunity again and happy to be on board. So shout out to Planet 106.7 in Lafayette. Uh, listen to the Planet live, right? No, listen to the planet online is the website. Listen to the planet.com. And then they have listen to the planet.com and there's an app. 
So go find that. Uh, Raising reviews involved. Chris is doing a fantastic job. The lineup's great. It's all the old, the old music from the planet. It would be and a look, citizen again. We're taking baby steps. We're doing a little bit right now, but hopefully we get more involved as things go. And, uh, you know, we were talking a little bit about Bleacher Creature t-shirts maybe making a comeback at some point. So stay tuned for that. That'll be fun. Yeah, I'm fired up about that. That is all. So, right. So that uh, also shout out to Dave Schultz, who's back in the market. He's going to be, uh, he, well, basically he's going in there to clean house and, and kind of start from scratch at 103.3, 1420, the GOAT. Um, and I love having Dave back in the market. You know, for people that don't know the story of Dave Schultz, he came into 103.7. He was a station manager. He did a lot of things uh, to, to get them in position uh, to, I mean, they beat 14.20, which was a legacy owner of the ratings and sports here for a long time. Dave goes in at 103.7. They put together a great lineup. He did a great job. Uh, he is a legitimate journalist, and he covers sports, and he loves sports. So having him back, uh, and then also, you know, if you guys remember former watch when the T was getting built and we didn't have the money and nobody wanted to answer questions. And he started asking where's farmer Well, former got him suspended, which ultimately ended up, you know, leading to his uh, departure from one hundred three, one hundred three point seven. but allegedly, 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 sure. Okay. Of course. Gotta say that All allegedly, right. uh, but Dave's back in the market. I think that he's really going to elevate. I mean, you can't really get worse than where we are now. So I, I ex severely expect him to be uh, elevating 103, 3, 14, 20, the GOAT. Uh, any thoughts on Dave back in the market, fellas? Look, he, Dave is not scared to ask the tough questions. And I think, and and I haven't shared with you, but I've been on a kick with going through newspaper archives and looking at all the, the UL stuff or USL stuff from back in the day and all that. And, and look, Bruce Brown and Kevin, they they ask tough questions written on paper in the newspaper. I mean, you think about Stokely's 1998 season. We were in June, and he didn't even have a schedule. We were still missing three teams. So they were asking the tough questions in the paper, and now it's almost taboo. Now if you ask a tough question, oh, well, you can't ask that question because you might wreck the boat. Dave's not scared to do that, and I think we need more of that, again, not to not to necessarily challenge the administration, but I think you you need that the checks and balances in place to ask the tough questions and get get answers. Whether you like it or not, you need you need people asking the tough questions. So glad Dave's back, and I'm sure at some point this season there will be a hashtag shut up Dave coming your way. I miss that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm happy Dave's back because I think it adds more of a diverse outlook on sports radio here. Um, you know, when Scott left 1420, I mean, all of us public perception was, you know, 1420 is about to, they're left for dead. They're, they're done. 1033, the goat 1420. It's going to be all national broadcast. I mean, I can go on Sirius XM. I can go on, you know, Spotify. I can watch it on TV if I want to, if I want to listen to national radio. So I think it's great that we get more local tastes now that Dave's back. And I'm sure Dave's going to try to uh, you know, do a full fledged analysis on 103.3, what needs to be changed, if he can add anybody. I know there's some uh, morning slots that are possibly open. I'm sure he'll find somebody if, if it's available. I know they have a seven to nine spot that's already there, but I think the nine to maybe 11, something like that, maybe, maybe an opening there if he can find the right sponsorships to be able to, you know, to give it a shot, but no, I'm glad Dave's back. I'm excited for Dave. And, uh, you know, we had, we had the chance to meet up with him. I, I got the chance to talk to him for a good while, uh, last week at the spring football game. I actually saw him at rhythms on the river the other night. He was, he was, uh, there in the social scene. So, and he, you know, a lot of people actually stopped to tell him hello. And, uh, 
it's great to have him back and it's going to be a, a lot of fun. He's a friend of the pod and he's really good at what he does. And it's just, it's just one addition to, to more local coverage of, of sports here in Acadiana and especially UL. It's good for the brand. Any amount of coverage is good, but Dave does a fantastic job of like Nick said, you got to ask the correct question sometimes. And I go back to the scene in Scarface where Michelle Pfeiffer and uh, De Niro are sitting there or, or Pacino are sitting there at the table and they're all taking the, you know, the stuff and he gets up and he looks around the room and he says, you need people like me. Look at the bad guy. That's Dave. And we that need was, a bad guy. That was the worst impersonation. It's terrible. Look, I'm I appreciate. Not, I'm, I appreciate your your. You know, you get an A for effort. <laughs> hey, look, I, I I can't do it. Or you've had a little bit to drink. I think. <laughs> yes. <laughs> My wife's a little lubricated. Fun of me right now. My wife's making fun of me right now. Uh, anyway, but no, we need people like Dave. So that's the point of the whole thing. You need people like me. Anyway, Jerry, bringing back terrible tune Tuesday. That is that is hilarious. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you. That is very funny. Let me do sponsors real quick, and then we'll move on with the show because we have a thousand things to talk about. Gordon McKernan, Injury Attorneys, the official injury attorney of the Ragent Review podcast. Office locations in Lafayette, Alexandria, Lake Chuck, Monroe, Shreveport, Zachary, Denham Springs, Gonzalez, Hammond, and of course, their home office in Baton Rouge. Go by and see Penny, the chief happiness officer. She's a beaut. Uh, listen, when you hire G, you get the G guarantee. If they can't win your case, you owe absolutely nothing. You don't owe a fee. You don't owe a dime. Give them a call if you need. 888-532-1573-1573. Or getgordon.com on the web. Getgordon.com. Get Gordon and get it done. Lafayette Roofing and General Contractors. Of course, licensed and insured. Locally owned and family operated. Our buddy Darren Doming is a proud UL alum and RCAF supporter. Lafayette Roofing is certified with the Better Business Bureau, where Mr. Doming is a member. Remember, if you haven't checked your roof for damage with the wild weather we've been having lately and over the last few years, honestly, uh, for sagging, for signs of water damage, dark spots, holes, cracked or torn shingles, large amounts of shingle granular in your gutters, presence of rot, mold, or moisture, you need to do that. You got to give Darren and the team a call if you see any of those things or signs of them. They have three different options for financing available to you. They'll make sure to get your job done efficiently and cost effectively. Give them a call at 337-237-7663. That's 237-ROOF. Or visit lafayette-roofing.com. Do not forget the dash. And thanks to Darren for all he's done. Great friend of the pod. Great friend to UL Athletics. Awesome dude. Patriot Steel Group. Great sponsor of the Ragin' Review podcast. The guys over at Patriot Steel Group would like to thank all RCAF donors and encourage anybody who's considering giving to the program to please do so and support our student-athletes and their mission to promote our great university. And they do a great job of it. Uh, we have great people in our program, top to bottom. Uh, easy to support, easy to root for. Chris Russo is a great friend of the Raisin Review podcast, has been from the very beginning, so thank you to Chris. Patriot Steel Group was founded in 2021. The founders of Patriot Steel Group have over 100 years collectively of experience in the oil and gas industry. Patriot Steel Group is an official Raisin Cajun baseball sponsor, and they're all over the place. They have the 
uh, roster sponsorship. They have the, the scorecards, and they have a very nice, beautiful sign in right field that you all are probably very familiar with. Give them a call if you need anything at all. Contact Brandon Gallet or Reed Barbier at 337-443-9296. Or if you want to get some more information, you can visit their LinkedIn page, the Patriot Steel Group LinkedIn page. Thanks to all of our fantastic sponsors. Really appreciate you guys. You already know that, and uh, we'll do whatever we can to continue to promote the brand. Boys, it's been, uh, it's been two weeks of a lot of stuff to get to. Jerry, you mentioned the spring game, and um, let's go there before we go into the diamond. Um, I, I thought that there was a lot to take away from the spring. You and I were both there in person, Nick. I'm not sure how much you got to see of it, but I can tell you uh, I took notes. I got a really good idea of a few position groups that I was not necessarily concerned about, but had some questions. Jerry, we'll start with you. Other than Zeon, which we'll get to him, and that's probably where we'll spend most of our time, but what stuck out What stuck out about spring or maybe a position group or a certain player to you uh, during the spring festivities? I thought that the, having the offensive line back was huge. Um, you could tell the difference in size. You can tell the difference in the way that they lined up. Just seeing some of those guys who were out last year was just, I was just happy to see that. I mean, that made a huge difference. If you look at some of our losses early on in the season, it's because we had no run, run game because our offensive line, they were basically limping to the line of scrimmage. And so it was good to see the offensive line um, have some depth. And when you see a full healthy uh, line, you just see the difference in the way that they were able to move the football and which helps Zeon. And I mean, we all know about Zeon's performance for those who watched and, you know, from what they read about the spring game, but also what, what I, what I was impressed with because of the offensive line were the running backs. I thought the running backs, uh, um, uh, Perry was one, Washington was another, those two really stuck out to me. Uh, it was nice to see us actually have a real good run game, um, against a defense that I thought was pretty fast. I thought the secondary had a few key interceptions. Uh, I think our secondary, we lost some key guys last year, but the depth of the secondary is going to make a huge difference this season, especially with the schedule. Uh, it seems like it's a fairly easier part of the schedule to start the year, kind of like we had last year. So one thing that really stuck out to me in the spring game, besides a few of those um, position or personnel uh, personnel that, that I mentioned was really the depth. I thought we were pretty deep. I mean, I, I know Des played a lot of guys on both sides of the football, um, and you definitely saw some players make some plays on both ends uh, that, I mean, some of which made some plays. I'm looking, I'm going, who's that? Who's that guy? And who's this guy? What number is this guy? You know, so that's always a good sign when you have depth, um, especially guys that, you know, as Tony would say, work while you wait. You could tell there were some guys on this roster that have worked while they waited and their time is coming. And, and that's pretty exciting to see. So, um, yeah, overall, I just thought that it was a fun spring game, a very unique spring game. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was great to see guys fly around the football all up and down the, uh, the indoor. Agree, and I'm with I'm with James. He says he has a good feeling about this year's football team. I do too. I do too. I, I, I got to tell you, it, you know, you mentioned groups as a whole. You talked about the running backs. I thought Kabodi looked really good too. He's been healthy for the first time in two years, and I thought he was very physical. One thing about Zylon Perry, it, first of all, we already knew he was fast. He was decisive. As soon as he touched the ball, it was foot in the ground and go. 
and people will remember the highlight of the, you know, the 360 touchdown, and, and that's great, you know, great. I was impressed with his ability to just say, look, I'm going to put my foot in the ground and go. Uh, that was my biggest takeaway from him. The offensive line, like you said, I have written down right here, big, physical, explosive. Uh, I was very surprised to see Mackie Malito play a lot. Uh, a guy that, you know, we're familiar with his name because he, he's a bit of a character. So, you know, he's he's been visible, but hasn't gotten much playing time at all. Um, the lack of Lance Burton was interesting to me. Uh, Jax Harrington looks physical. He looks to be healthy, something that he hasn't been. Um, he looks all of the part of uh, the next NFL offensive lineman at this school, which we thought when he when he signed here, we thought that, you know, we thought that he had all the the tools and the ability he was pushing his man around, and that was good to see. We were very physical, and it may it may just go back to the ability to be healthy. You know, the best the, what is it the 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 best ability that you possess is availability. So you know, the fact that we're deep and we have guys that can play will I think pay dividends. Obviously, but I agree. I thought the offensive line as a group, outside of the linebackers, was probably the star of the show for me because I didn't expect it. I, you know, that's probably a part of it too. I expected them to be better, but they looked really good. And their pass pro. How many times did Zeon drop back and have four or five, six seconds to throw the ball? That happened often. Um, and he had many opportunities because he's playing all-time quarterback. So he had many uh, uh, opportunities to sit back in the pocket, survey the field, make the throw. And, man, did he make some throws. Uh, obviously, everybody's going to remember the two touchdown deep throws, which I think they started at 25. So you're talking about a 30-yard pass. Uh, but the accuracy with which he placed those balls, very, very impressive. And I know that they didn't want to get him out there running a whole lot. So, um, you know, take that with a grain of salt. He is every bit of an athlete that you want. I mean, he looks the part. He's fast. But but the presence, uh, Jerry, and, I, I, you know, I'll, I'll go back to you on this. The presence on the field. I mean, you, there's, no, there's no if, ands, or buts about it. This guy's a field general. He's one of the biggest players. You know, like, I think... Uh, I think it was Casey Osai that went to tackle him one time, and I know you can only touch him, but when he was standing next to Zeon, I think Zeon actually might be bigger than him. So he looks the part. He's athletic. He he commands the field. He's everything you want in the quarterback position. Uh, I was just extremely impressed, and I already went into the spring game having a high opinion of Zeon. I know we have injuries. I know Chandler's still on the on the uh, on the roster. Ben is not going to be ready. Uh, to compete for a starting job. I mean, obviously, we know what the injury is. We know what the recovery time. What do you take away with Zeon uh, from the spring game, but also going forward? He's got to be your guy, right? I mean, yeah. And, and and look, nothing against Ben, nothing against Chandler. But if you look at Zeon and you just look at his pocket presence that you mentioned, when he drops back to throw, he just looks like a stud. I mean, there's really nothing, no other way to put it. The way... That, that natural flow, that natural three-step drop he makes, the way he just that, – that quick release he has, I mean, perfect spirals. I mean, that, that pass you talked about in the end zone, I want to say it was about a 45-yard pass because I remember when he threw it, I want to say it was close to the Raging Cajuns 50-yard line logo, which stretches it to about the 40-yard line. So he hit, a, he hit about a 40, 45-yard pass, and it was right on the money. Oh, he dropped the, it in the bucket. Yeah. On the deep part of the end zone. And I'm just – I mean, just watching it sail, I'm like, oh, my gosh. I mean, that's – what a throw. And not to mention, to your point, we, you know, I know Des probably didn't want him to run as much, but he's the type of quarterback. He's your prototypical quarterback 
that can do pretty much anything. He's got a great pocket presence. He's got good awareness. His 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 his, his feet or his footwork is very yes. impressive. Thank you he for saying elude, that. Thank he can elude a that. blitz. I mean, look at the way he eluded some of those yes. blitzes the other night. I mean, just imagine him doing that in the pocket, and then when he wants to take off and run or run like a zone read, how dangerous he can be in the open field. And on top of that, I thought the receiving core. Uh, was very impressive. I, I mean, they caught some really good balls. I thought we have a, we had a little bit of depth there. And so that's going to help him out as well. So, I, you know, I mean, if you were to ask me right now, Josh, is he on the guy for to start in against Northwestern State? I, I would probably say yes right now based on what I saw the other night in the spring game. But again, Chandler comes back. Chandler has a little bit of seniority on him. He's been the starting quarterback before, but that doesn't take away the fact that I think if it's between Chandler and Zeon and nothing against Ben, I, I just don't know if Ben's going to be able to physically be ready by fall practice. But if it's between those three, it's going to be a battle. It's going to be a battle because I, I mean, talent wise, Zeon, the way I, I describe Zeon, Zeon's taller. And he's a right-handed quarterback, but he's basically he has the skills that Levi had with a better arm. So if you have the elusiveness, if you have the smarts, and then you have a strong arm like that and have that pocket presence and awareness and athleticism, I mean, you saw what Levi did. And some fans, I mean, look, sometimes we were critical of Levi. Nothing to take away from him. But then you look at Zeon and you're like, wow, like he my first question when I left the spring game was how did we end up with him and not some big school that, you know, could have had him? What did we do to get him? Because if you think about it, he's taller, he's athletic, he's built, he's got a rocket arm. I mean, that's what P5 schools look at. I mean, so, I mean, I just, I just think as of right now, unless Chandler comes back strong and I know Chandler's going to come back strong. I mean, he was at the spring game as well. And unfortunately he had kind of a, a freak accident before spring and he'll bounce back from it, but it's going to be a war. I think uh, at fall practice leading up to that Northwestern state game. I just, it's, it's too obvious. It's too obvious. I'll be disappointed if Zeon's not under center, Nick, any thoughts about spring ball? No. Uh, so I was sitting in the dark because my parents, power went out <laughs> when I was supposed to be at the game. Uh, there was a tornado or something that passed through some freak thing that passed through at the time. But um, look, I think you've got your, I think with Chandler, you have certain, certain pros and cons. And then with Ben, you have certain pros and cons. And I think you put Zeon on the field and it's almost like he combines all the pros of Ben and Chandler into one person. So, it, it's a competition and it, as it should be. And I think the competition right now is going to be between Zeon and Chandler. And, and look, the one thing I don't want to happen is we get into another situation in the fall where we have alternating possessions and alternating quarterbacks. My hope is whoever we go with, which I'm, I'm thinking it's Zeon at this point, we stick with him and we ride it because look, we saw it last season. We needed that backup and hell, we needed a third quarterback on the roster. It, it, you know, injuries happen, freak accidents happen, things happen. We need a full roster quarterback. So regardless if Ben's going to be on the bench or if Chandler's going to be on the bench, or is he, we need them. So I'm hoping we have all three for, for the season next year. But look, I'm going to geek out. Reese Burns was one of my favorite all-time players for the Cajuns and, and 
when he got here, I mean, he was a punter and nobody really cared, but I'm like, oh, crap, we got Reese Burns. He's going to be awesome. Mackie Mejia, I hope I'm saying his last name right. Dude, when you got us, and first of all, the offensive line, heard great things about him. Mackie, I've been waiting. And look, he's been green. He needed to develop. He needed some time. He needed some technique. When you got a 6'8 offensive lineman, if he can, if he can get that technique, bruh. Like, I am most excited, I think, about the team. Look, Zion, obviously, I'm excited about him. But Mackie, I've been waiting for him to have his shot. His shot and I think this is going to be a good year for him. If he can, if he can you know, settle down and, and kind of get some of the quirkiness out of his, out of his game, if he, can, if he can, you know, be, be the guy, be the 6'8 presence that we need on the offensive line, who's, who's going to take him down? I, I don't have any answer for that. So that's my geeked up. Hopefully prognostication from lat, from for next year is uh is Mackie's my dude. That that's a guy I'm gonna ride or die with next year. And and I'll also complete it with this. You know, I thought that well, first of all, we had a lot of talent depart. So I wondered how we take the step going into 2023. It's a spring game, it's in it's basically an inner squad. I get it. I felt like the roster was way more complete than I expected it to be. And this is no shot at the recruiting staff. It's just it's a natural question. You know, when you lose when you lose guys that are proven winners and proven contributors, you're always going to have that question, right, Jerry? So to me, uh, what stood out overall was that we have guys everywhere that can play. Now, when the lights come on, it's a little bit different, and people react differently to game day, and I get all that. From a weapon standpoint, from a, a just really well-abled bodies, we have a ton of them. And look, I'm the defensive guy, so I'm gonna tell you right now. I think this, I think the the defensive secondary, uh, especially in this in the uh, safety room, I think we're as good as we've ever been. Tyree Skipper looks like an NFL safety. Uh, Cam Podesclo has been here for like ten years, and we we don't have a more physical player than that guy. He is a problem. Tyrone Lewis, who started to pop towards the end of the year, he looks he he looks like our best defensive player, not in the linebacker core. Um, Mason Narcisse on the defensive line had one of the best springs of anybody. He got two or three different awards when they call the kids up to say, you know, most improved or, or most impactful, whatever it is. Mason Narcisse's name got called a few times. Uh, I still think that our edges are going to be fine. I think that Sonny Hazard is finally healthy and he's going to be a force in the middle and he's a team favorite. So if he is any type of a, a, a bell cow type player, Team, the team is going to play behind him and follow him. Casey Osai, Caleb Edwards, who unfortunately had a little bit of an injury. I don't know what was going on. He was on crutches. He may be our best linebacker. Uh, Tyler Guidry is there. Our linebackers are young, super freaking talented. They just need snaps. And I think that midway through the season, we might have the best linebacking core in the G5, not just the Sun Belt. Like, that's how big they are. That's how good they are. That's how fast they are. So that stood out to me. Um, I have a bunch of little notes that probably don't mean anything. Like, for example, Catherine wrote something that I can't read on the air. Um, but but overall, special teams, Logan Klotz. He's nailing field goals and not even looking at the ball sell through the uprights. These guys are solid. You know, you got Kenny Amadeus coming back. He is a proven guy who can make field goals and do all the things you need a senior to do. And he's way bigger than you think, too. Um, Zylan Perry, we talked about. Uh, Mason Narcisse, we talked about. Just overall, you look at, we saw a little bit of CJ Caesar, who was a highly touted recruit out of Iowa. He's tall. I think he, need to put, he needs to put on a little bit more weight, and maybe that's a rice and gravy situation. We can send over some plate lunches. I don't know. But he, he's fast. 
He's physical. He's tall. He looks about 6'2". He's going to match up with any wide receiver in this league. I can tell you that. Uh, defensively, we get around the field. I'm very, very excited about that. And uh, overall, again, I, I think that my takeaway outside of Zeon is we have plugged these gaps about as well as you can ask for. And look, I'm going to say there are a lot of great things that came out of the spring game from from what I've heard from you guys and in the media. But I appreciate the fact that we're, we are able to temper our expectations and be realistic. RG3, I don't know if you guys saw that, uh, but he apparently called the Texas uh, Longhorn spring game a day ago. And uh, his tweet is, I quote, just call the Texas spring game and Sark has this team ready to win a Big 12 championship and contend for a national championship. Hard eye roll. Texas I is mean, not come back. On. They're not going to be back. Every, every year, bro. Year, every man. year, and they're going to be ranked every for no year. reason. They're going to be in the every top 15 year. because, you know. Their name. Yeah. Because RG, and, RG and they got a, And they got a Manning on the roster now, so holy cow, watch out. <laughs> hey, by the way, just saying, I think it was Lunch, our, our Lunch Winfield, our newest recruit at quarterback. He beat him in the state quarters or semis. That he did, yes. Yeah, so just want to throw that out there. Old Arch Manning. Anyway, um, a lot of baseball, a lot of softball the last couple of weeks. Shout out to the girls who went to, um, well, no, we hosted the Bobcats of Texas State and swept them. Texas State has been one of the better softball teams in the league for, I don't know, four, five, six years now. Um, they had a very good RPI, played a good strength of schedule to this point, out of conference and in the league. I think that's a very impressive sweep. It's on par with JMU for me. I know JMU was on the road, so it's a little bit different, but I'm proud of the girls. That that's uh and the other thing is that they were behind in two games. So stellar pitching, very good defense, and and clutch hits by all red and Laney Crater just continues to destroy the the softball. And what do you say? I mean, 78 consecutive Sunbelt Conference series wins, Jerry. I mean, that's that's it's not even it's not even believable. If you said before they started the streak, it would happen. It was even possible. I mean, even in the in the lean years, you would look into a loss. These girls just continue to be incredible. It's a decade. It's a decade's worth of work that's continuing on as we speak. I mean, what more can you say about something like that? Especially, you know, people will say, well, the Sun Belt's not quite as strong in softball and the Cajuns have dominated. But on the other hand, to be able to do that 10 years in a row, and counting and continuing that streak. I mean, what <laughs> that's, that's something that is, I mean, in any conference, even if it's the Sun Belt or a conference lesser than the Sun Belt or in, in power rankings, it's hard to do. So that, that to me is it, it, when you really think about it, when you pull the reins back and you actually think 78 straight over a 10 year span where you've been and you've been through, you know, New, the the whole coaching drama in 2017 2018 you've been through injuries you've been through you've weathered uh, additions, so many storms additions to the league yeah you've weathered so many storms and it and you're able to maintain that success and grow this streak for a decade and counting i mean that's something that's commendable i mean that's something that needs to be recognized and very impressive on a national scale so no i <laughs> uh Unbelievable. And, and and also, too, like, for example, this past weekend, look at how the Cajuns came back yesterday or last night yes. down. I believe they were down, what, two to one in the sixth. 
And who was it that hit the two-run shot? I'm, I'm drawing a blank right I'm now. I'm pretty sure it was Lauren Allred. Right. You know, that that that's – we have that. I mean, there are the cardiac Cajuns in softball. They just find ways to win. It's crazy. Um, and, they and believe they they're going to win. They yeah. know they're going to win. They always find – they've been doing – and for the last 10 years on that streak, they a lot of those wins came in like the last two innings. You know, I mean, that's good teams find ways to win. That's why they have that 78-game <laughs> conference – Series win streak uh, that's that's going on. So I don't want to jinx it or anything. I'd love for it to keep going. Um, but no, nah, it's impressive. And it was great to get the sweep this weekend. I know they've they kind of had a little bit of a hiccup in the middle of the week in Texas against Baylor and, and Texas AM, both of which games should have been should have won. They could have won. They they had they were winnable, but to bounce back like that in a conference um series and then moving forward, I think um they're in they're in good shape. But uh yeah, Nick, just great, great series. I'm gonna throw some cold water on you, Jerry. Look, let's, I, spend, yeah. let's spend some time on this because I, I like this conversation. Go ahead, Daryl. Daryl just asked if they can host a regional. Uh, Nick, you go ahead, and then we'll talk about that. So, uh, and, and this ties into that. Look, we the 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 Cajun softball program, elite, nationally recognized year over year. Um, and and by no means I don't want this to be a slide at the coaching or the team or anything like that because again, 78, 79, whatever co- consecutive series, amazing. But when you're in the spotlight and you are a nationally recognized power as as the Cajun softball team is, you gotta start winning more of these of these top 25 games. And if we're in the top 25, we got to start picking up one. Look, I didn't expect him to go and, and sweep Baylor and Texas A&M kind of expected him to win one of those games. And it feels like we're at the, the cusp of doing that so many times a season against ranked teams. And we, we don't do it. I mean, we, we picked up a win against LSU. I think we split that series. So th- that's, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't know who those people are. Nick. The team across the basin. Yeah. Those guys. So we just, I feel like we're at the cusp of greatness with the softball program, but we just haven't gotten over that hump yet. So I need to see a little bit more. And that leads to to Daryl's question. Can they host a regional? I don't know. Um, Are they a top 16 team right now? They're not because they haven't beaten consistently to other top 25 teams that are competing for that same regional. So today I'm saying probably not. We're probably going to travel as a two seed somewhere. Um, hopefully not across the basin, but probably a two seat somewhere. And and that's where those top 25 wins come into play. I just feel like we need to pick up a few more of those along the way that we haven't. So uh, again, not taking anything away from the team. I know it's tough to win. I know they have some really good talent across the country, but I'd like to see a, a few more of those top 25 wins to build the resume to host. Cause I feel like right now they don't have it. Yeah. Well, by the numbers, they don't, I mean, this is the issue for me. We've played, I mean, it's got to be 9, 10, 11 games against those type of teams. And unfortunately, I think we only have one, maybe two victories over those teams. So I think maybe we beat Florida, right? We beat TSAB. We beat, I think it's we have one more. I think we had one more win after we, that. I'm not sure. I'm drawing more? a blank. It was well, one more, yeah. The point is, is that you're basically like 2-12 and 12 against the RPI top 25. And this is not a shot at the roster. I think that we have the talent to win. There is something there, and it's it's so close. We're so close. It's a tweak. It's a it's a stolen base. It's a you know timely and, hit. It's it's something here or there. And 
by the way, I would much rather be in softball's position than in baseball's position right now because baseball is very far away from where we think they should be with, if you consider the talent on the roster, look at softball. They have the talent. We're finally relying on three, four pitchers rather than one, two. So that is a recipe for success in the postseason to me. We have power. We have speed. We mostly play good defense, but like baseball, it seems like the the miscues on defense happen at crucial moments. So regardless, like we'll go back to the AM game. You load the bases with a chance to do some real damage. I think it was the fifth inning, the fourth inning, I think. You load the bases, no, uh, one out or no outs at the time, and you, you don't score. You score one run. Then you turn around in the next inning, and you make two errors. A&M scores, I don't know, three or four runs, and then they run away with it. That it's like it's like softball gets to the doorstep and then something goes wrong. If they can find out whatever the hell that is, whatever that one thing or that one moment or whatever, if when they do figure that out, they're going to win a lot of games. And again, they're a whole lot closer than baseball right now. Well, so it's, I don't know what it is, Jerry. Maybe you have an opinion on what it is, but yeah, I, I just think it's learning how to finish. I mean, the game against UCLA at the Clearwater tournament, we were up, I believe it was like three to two in the seventh. And you need, I think we had one out. All he needed was two more outs. And we found a way to make an, an error or two and gave up the two runs. You, you lost. And I think UCLA was ranked number two at the time. I mean, that's the kind of losses we've experienced against these top 25 teams. We've lost. I mean, there were some games we didn't play well. I mean, there were some games that we got, we got beat pretty handily. But then there were some games you're looking, you're like, Man, how, how can you blow that one opportunity? Or how did you how did you make that error? Or why didn't you get that timely hit? That's how close we were to losing some of these games. And I'm not a I'm not trying to play, you know, I'm a, I'm a, the moral victory uh, uh, line. But if you look at some of these losses and you look at the capability of this team, it's not like we're playing these top 25 teams and getting run ruled. Because after the Clearwater tournament, we go to Orlando and play a, a, a nationally ranked UCF team, and we shut them out and run rule them at their place. Well, even at Clearwater. We lost hey, what three games by one run? Yeah, and then you go we, play. We you only go play got Ole Miss. beat one time against Oklahoma State. They beat our ass. But other than that, we were competitive in every single game. And to your point, probably should have won them. But and I that's guess my so question. My, my question to you guys is: Do you think at this point it's almost psychological? Like I think it wears on you. Yeah, I think so, so I, th- I do. Yeah. I do. Yeah, I do. no, I think so. And, and I think it's hard because you know a lot of times, and I know it sounds crazy for me to say this, knowing that you know how UL softball is and the history that it is. But when you go play Oklahoma, when you go play UCLA, when you play Michigan and those teams, a lot of times the national the national media and the national pundits, there's still a level of disrespect towards our program. They don't think a lot of times we're not expected to win those games. And then you come within a run or two and you have them in the last inning and then you commit an error or two and lose. That's where I think that mindset comes in of can we get over that hump? Like the other day at Texas A&M, like you said, Josh, you load the bases, you get what, one run and you lose by two? I mean, those are the type of situations we've run into this year against that type of level of competition. We've been in just about every loss. We've been in every game. Just about, I mean, you, like I said, there's been a few where we've gotten run ruled or lost by more than three or four runs. But most of those games, you're in it. You're literally in it to the final out. You just got to get over that hump. And and to answer your question, Nick, and and you know, I know Daryl had asked a question, can we host a regional? I think we're literally on the borderline right now. I think a lot has to happen, not just for us, but unfortunately, we probably have to depend on some of these other teams when it comes to the RPI. 
Um, but we put ourselves in that position. You know, when you can't close, that's what happens. And so um, do I think we can still host a regional? Yes, I do. I, I do think we can still host a regional, but I think a lot has to happen between now and then. And we can't slip up. We can't slip up in these last few weeks. So, um, you know, I'm hoping that we get over that hump and finally bring a regional back to Lamson Park. It's going to be tough. It's going to be a grind. But I think there is still a shot out there because our PI is still pretty. I want to say it's ranked, what, like 16 or 17 right now? Well, it was 10 going into the weekend, so I'm not sure with the loss. So uh, it's still it's well, no, still swept, on that borderline. Swept, so it's probably up. Yeah, it's still it's probably on that borderline. So I, I'm not I'm not losing all hope yet. A lot can happen. I mean, we still got a month month's worth of softball to play before the regionals come. So, um, but but it you're looking back on it to your point, Nick. It hurts to see that we lost some of these games so closely because you're looking and you're like, man, if we don't make those two errors against UCLA, who was number two in the country at the time, you know. I mean, we're we're having a that one game. We're having a totally different conversation right now. Well, Michigan, Indiana, there, there are a few, you know, and it's literally plays, not innings or games. Uh, but I think personally, Daryl, to answer your question from my point of view, I think we've had our opportunities and that ship has sailed. Uh, honestly, maybe a chip on the shoulder is what's needed. Go travel as a two seed and beat somebody. Maybe that's what brings out the best in the girls. But I don't know. I, I think that. Again, I'm happy that we have pitchers that we can rely on, not a pitcher that we can rely on. I like that. I think people are playing better. Taylor Roman hit a home run today. Great to see her kind of get back into the groove of that. So things are happening. I don't, I don't think we've seen the best from this team yet, um, but I can make an argument to your point, Jerry. I, I can make an argument that it's more mentally exhausting to be in those games against those top-ranked opponents and not find that way to get over the hump. And it's sickening because it's your own fault. That has got to be mentally draining. So who knows? Maybe we get, in, we get on a roll in conference. Maybe we go win the conference tournament. You never know what can happen. I think that we have the players to win in the postseason, and I think that that's more important than anything. It's more important than hosting. It's more important than anything. If you have the players, and if they learn from those mistakes, and that's the key, if they learn from the UCLA's and the Michigan's and, and the, uh, the Oklahoma State's and all, if you learn from that, that's a recipe to win in the postseason. So I just want to say that. So shout out to the softballers for the sweep this weekend. Keep playing great softball, uh, making us proud. Baseball. Now we're going to go back a ways. Uh, we've all slept and had a couple of beers since then. So please don't shoot us if we mess up a stat or a, a moment. Uh, but the last time we spoke to you all we were going into the Marshall-y, the Marshall Thundering Herd uh, for the very first time ever so uncharted territory Degs actually made a comment about being unfamiliar with the you know the the minor league park and didn't know the head coach and all this other stuff wait a minute you don't want to talk about the top of the ninth against Tulane we can go all the way no. back to Tulane we can go <laughs> no, I'm actually I'm if, kidding. We're, I'm if kidding. we're being honest no we, we won the we game fast we won we won I'll stop there we won People were literally walking out of the park when the dude hit the three-run job. Have you ever been so mad in your life? I mean, seriously, how, how long has it been since you've been that mad? I've never – I haven't been that mad about a win for as long as I can remember. I, I mean, Not in you, baseball. You, look, you have twice, twice in that inning, you had two outs on two strikes. I think the score was like, what, seven to three at that point or something well, like that? I mean, the, you're up, yeah, going into the ninth, I think you we were, were up, up by, by five four, runs. Four or five runs, and you're literally on a two-strike count twice with two outs twice. I mean, you know, like we all stand at the tee. We're clapping to the, the third strike twice. And somehow we go to the bottom of the ninth tied. 
Anyway, Nick, I'll let you have it. Yeah, have last it. time I was that pissed off, I think it was a conference tournament where we were playing Arkansas State, and we had a, a game that was delayed, and we ended up winning like 24 to 21. We, we dropped the ball in the outfield a couple of times. I, I, don't, I know exactly what you're talking about. So, oh, Little yeah, Rock. The, that was Little yeah, Rock. It was Little, Little Rock. Rock. Yeah. Whoever yeah. it was. It was yeah, some yeah. team from I Arkansas. They're all the same. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, it, yeah, that was the last time I was that pissed off. Look, uh, I, I that, I honestly... It was almost like looking into a a looking glass and saying bad things are going to come our way. And 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 we went to Marshall and we did our thing in Marshall, but it just felt like that was showing me a little bit about the team that scared me and said, oh, crap. So we we can do this. And uh, yeah, we'll talk about this weekend's games and this week's games. But to me, that was my biggest takeaway is that that planted that seed in my head that said, oh, this doesn't feel good. And I feel like this is going to come back to bite us because something's not right. And and yeah, so I'll every time something that. like that happens, I think and this is it's only isolated to this season, obviously. But every time something like that happens where, you know, we're locking up. We're cleaning. We're done. We're, we're, we're done for the shift. We're, we're going home. We're closing up the Burger King, whatever. Every time like something like that happens, I always think, why weren't the stats on the scoreboard for real? What's the real version behind that story? Because that's what it feels like. It feels like, you know, and look, dude, we're very pro player here. We love the guys. This is we're having a little bit of fun. But at the same time, there is a, an element of do we cash it in when we think we've got it taken care of? Do y'all not get some of that, you know, and maybe it's on the pitching staff. I don't know what, and I'm not saying any, anybody in particular because we've done it with different folks on the, on the mound. It's almost like they just turn out the lights when the customers are still in the restaurant. Hey, we're not done here yet. Too many times that's happened. And look, Tulane was, was, was the worst part of it. I'm a fast forward to the Southeastern game where we're in Hammond and we're forgetting how many outs there are in an inning. And we're swinging at terrible pitches. And you just look like you didn't want to be there. And that's kind of what it felt like. That's why I said it was kind of like looking through the, the, the looking glass, like looking forward. Like there was a lack of focus at the end of that game. And there was a lack of focus during the Southeastern game. And then there ended up being a lack of focus during the first Troy game. And it just so, it, South Alabama game, South can, Alabama, the Arkansas State game on Friday night, App State. We like, can continue to go down. It's a pattern, right? And and so we, as good as we can be, we can be just as bad. And that scares me because there are games where you look like you're unbeatable and you have no holes in your lineup and your pitching is stepping up. And then there are games where we can, where how many free bases? Nine in one night, but fifteen. Yeah, that's fifteen. Let's look at the common denominator in all those games you mentioned, right? Tulane, South Alabama. I would even say High Point. Uh, Allie wasn't in attendance. That's the common denominator. Troy, Troy. Yeah, right. Allie wasn't there. I should bring. I should bring Allie to like every game moving forward, including our road games as well. Clearly, uh, starting put Tuesday her, night. Put her on the bus. Get a get a baby seat. Stick if it in I the can, front. Right. If I can bring her Tuesday night across the basin and we find a way and we win that game, I might have no choice. I might have no choice at that point. But if you look at the common denominator between the South Alabama game, I would say the second high point game. I would probably say App State that Friday night, uh, Troy on Friday night, Tulane 
all those losses, the common denominator is pitching and not being able to get that key out that when 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 not basically holding the dam and not letting it break. We've let the dam break so many times this year in situ and two out situations, in situations where you can turn a double player, catch an easy fly ball. The other night against Southeastern, like you said, Nick, you should know how many outs you have. This is college baseball, man. That that's that, that that's literally mistakes right there. In the I mean, first inning, Jerry. Mistakes. In the first yeah, inning. It's not you like you're fatigued know. mentally and it's the seventh inning of a of a grinding, grueling game. This is the first freaking inning. There's no way you can't know there's only one out. And look, I love CJ. He's probably one of the best dudes on the on the on the team. Catherine got to know his girlfriend. They're very they're awesome people. That is a lack of focus. There's no other way to describe it. Josh, can, I love you like a brother. If you did some stupid crap like that, I'll I would call you, you out. <laughs> yeah. But really, you there's too. no excuse. There is no. no freaking excuse for that. And he knows it. He's an 18th year senior. This is not this is not Ben Robichaux losing his mind, you know, in the middle of a game. This is a guy that's been here, been he's taken live bullets a long time in D1. There's no freaking way you can do that. There's no way. And it sets a precedence, is what it does. It sets a precedence. It sets bad juju moving forward. And you saw, I mean, the the crazy mistakes we were making against Southeastern. But again, all those losses we've had. They're just the, the pitching hasn't been able to get us out of that slump. When to, when Tony used to talk about minimizing the damage, we maximized it with basically carelessness. And that's the frustrating thing because if you look at our talent, if you look at our athleticism, if you look at how we play in the field, there's no excuse. Like if you're a bad team and you're dropping fly balls consistently and you can't, you don't know how to field a basic ground ball, that's one thing. You're just a bad team. We're not a bad team. We're just making careless mistakes at the wrong time. And you let the dam open. You let the dam break when you do stuff like that. And that's what we've done multiple times. And I, look, everybody wants to say we're 25 and 12 or whatever, but we could be 30 and 7 instead if we don't do that. You know, I mean, that that's the difference. That's, you know, that's the difference. But look, look the I last great pitcher we've had here just got called up to the majors. Okay. Yes. We just, and it's no shot at the guys. It's not their fault. I don't. Maybe they're not being put in the position to win or, or to succeed. I'm sorry. I don't know what it is. There is something not right on the pitch. I can't stand the way we manage our pitching staff. Y'all know that. This is not breaking news. I don't like the way we take chances offensively, but I'm willing to get over that because I know who Deggs is. He told me who he was. I listened. I get it. Pitching staff, look, I'm willing to put up with a certain amount of foolishness because Tony was great. His system was what it was. We knew it for years. What's going on right now is not just run-of-the-mill foolishness. I don't want to get into specifics because I'm going to get bogged down and we have a lot to talk about, but I'll just leave it open this way. I cannot stand the way we freaking manage a pitching staff. Why is Parrott pitching today in a crucial situation in Game 2? This guy has, what, three appearances, maybe nine innings total pitch? No, less than that, like six. It's not against him. He's, he just doesn't have the wear and tear on his back. That's just not his role. Why are we doing that? You know what they did tonight? They went McGee Rawls into the game. Over. You used the two. Why, why didn't we see why, why didn't we see the swing arm in game two when Nizu couldn't or Nezu couldn't get out of it? I, I, I just will never understand that. The crucial game this weekend, guys, and y'all know this, this is not news. The, the game two was the crucial. You had to win that game. You had to. You and can't lose to Troy at home like that. By the way, you could have put yourself in a better position 
to win game two had you played it yesterday when softball was playing. And look, I'm not going to question anybody's decision. Well, I guess I am because I'm saying it. But why did softball play? But why so did we softball are play? Questioning and again, the decision. Troy has nowhere to go. So, yes, I get it. You have to take BP two hours before. And, okay, they're going to take BP anyway Saturday in the indoor, whether or not they play. So let them take BP if we can't play. Obviously, you can make a decision 40 minutes before the game, before the pitchers start throwing. You can do that. But it was sunny from four until dark, and then it drizzled later in the night. But softball I, played the game. Like, it, look, who, who makes the overall decision? Because obviously, it's not the same person. And that's my thing. Like, why you are the home team and you lost on Friday. Your best chance to win on Saturday is to not play a doubleheader. It's to play on Saturday. Go play. And we didn't. And we took that We took that advantage away from ourselves 24 hours before we needed to make that decision. That I don't understand. I, I, have, a, I have a theory, if you want to hear it, and this might piss some people off. I think Degs tried to get cute. He tried to save some arms, get another day of rest, and then empty the tank on Sunday. But you, like I, know that the hardest thing to do in baseball is win two games in a single day. So what the hell advantage did you really gain? I mean, we weren't completely depleted. Well, maybe we were. I mean, we could throw a parrot on, on, uh, on, on Sunday in game two, but I don't know, but, Nick. But that's a good point. I, I think if it's we didn't so ridiculous. Throw, if we didn't throw seven guys on a Friday night, right. if we could at least get out the third inning or fourth inning with our starter— then we're not having this conversation. So we got we got issues. We got problems. <laughs> we no got doubt. we got lots of problems. And look again, no knock on any of the guys on the roster. We love you all, but we got we got to figure this out because we should have figured this out four weeks ago. We're we're past mid season now, and we still don't have a solidified one two three guy. Now we still have question marks. That is scary to me. Look. Because, look, again, somebody posed a question. Are we going to be able to compete against regional teams? Today, we are not. Because at this point, we have not beaten anybody who's got a better RPI than we have. Unless well, we, I'm missing something, we no, have not. We, we asked the question. I mean, we beat Campbell on a Sunday, but that's not the same thing. Ooh. We, we, we talked about this in the, in the group message. Name a team we've beaten. Any team that we've beaten that makes you raise your eyes, raise your eyebrows and say, oh, man, we might be pretty good. There, there are none. There, there is not a single one. Now, I'm not saying the body of work is, is terrible. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that there's a lot to be left desired. You what I'm saying, saying is that 20, 20 before 10 thing, we did it and still didn't get that fuzzy feeling in my stomach. Well, we're going the opposite way right now, Nick. Well, what did I? What I've been saying for the last three weeks is the schedule gets harder. We're in the second half of the year. Now we're starting to see the schedule get harder, and now you're starting to see the results from that. And the problem with that is usually when the schedule gets harder, you find ways to improve and get better as the season goes on. That's one thing I recognized about our team last year is even with a tougher schedule on the last part of the year, we got better, which got us into a regional. You know, Ultimately, we were able to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with an Omaha team in Texas A&M at their place from getting better. This year is a little more concerning, um, and Nick, I'm glad you brought that up. A lot of people are saying, well, we're 25 and 12 and we're this, we're that, we're winning. I don't know what the complaining's for. And my question is simple. If you were to look at today's team, if you see the team and the situation we're in right now, because our expectations and standards in baseball is to make and win a regional. If you look at our situation right now, could we make and win a regional? And as of right now, 
I hate to say it. I think we could probably squeeze our ease our way in if we get better. But playing the way we've been playing the last week, no, I don't. I don't think we can make a regional, and I don't think we can win one. Again, it's just like softball. We have time to get better, and I think they'll figure it out. I'm very optimistic they'll figure it out. Well, softball's a regional team at least. Well, right. But what I'm saying is, though, is as far as the baseball team, I think we're still good enough to make a regional. Now, granted, Debo has to come back, and I saw – you know, Julian got hurt. He needs to come back. But, but hold at on the a same second. time, let's set right we're here. We're 76 but, RPI. Well, that's what I'm saying. But at the conference at this point, but before but we at go the any same further, time, why does D-Boy have to? JT is playing out of his freaking mind. Yeah, but adding JT, adding JT and Debo both in the batting order makes a huge difference. I mean, you see the absence of of Debo in the batting. Well, order. not I mean, when you're hitting Rockets seventh in in the uh, seventh slot and freaking Julian in the fifth. Heath Hood is the best hitter in the Sun Belt Conference. Why the hell is he hitting in the fifth slot? That, that is outrageous. What are we – listen, I don't want to go on our tangent about how I hate the way Deggs manages the lineup, and I do, and it's not a secret. However, I don't necessarily think that getting Debo back hitting changes the lineup all that much. It's still – as far as hitting goes, it's still a crowded – it's a crowded town. It's really not the – hitting is not the problem. Hitting has never been the problem with this team. Even last year when we made our run, hitting was fine. It's been the consistency on the mound, and I get it. It's extra annoying because we're so used to consistency with Robe and all that, and I get it, okay? To me, this is a more talented top-to-bottom roster, and we're playing worse baseball. And I think that's where the conversation starts and ends because we're halfway through the season. We're almost halfway through the conference. I think we've played, what, 36 games now? 36, 37 games? We have we have more question marks now at this point than we did last year with an inferior roster. If you look at Friday night, this past Friday night, and I know we're going to get into it, but I'll just sum it up like this. If you look at this past Friday night against Troy, you lose nine to six. In the past, within the last 15 years, six runs was more than enough for us to win on a Friday night. But if you look at the reason why we lost on Friday night, the free bases, the timely hits, the number of timely hits that we brought in, the freebies we gave them to bring in those nine runs. Again, heck, when Gunnar Leger pitched, all you needed was one or two runs to win. When you had guys like, uh, what was it, Osborne? All you needed was one or two runs to win. When you had Kevin Ardwan and, and, and Ott, all you needed was maybe a few runs to win. I mean, the game against Alabama in 2014 when Ott pitched, he shut him out 2 nothing. We got two runs on a double squeeze. We won Going on up bunts. against an All-American pitcher. We won on that's, that's the difference, man. That's the difference. Like, we don't have that stud on Friday night. And nothing against Jake. I like Jake. But to me, the inconsistency is what's hurting us in that weekend rotation. We just don't have the consistency. Look, right now, but we don't Blaine need McGee. Our Sunday guys, our Sunday guys, the most consistent guy so far, and he's coming off an injury. But Josh, you're saying we don't need a stud. We only scored four runs in two games today. We need, I mean, so you need somebody. Yeah, well, you need you help somebody with regard to not- Friday night because everybody's got a Friday night guy. Yeah, Jay Walker said that as Except long as us. I've been alive. Everybody, a Little Rock had a Friday guy. Georgia State forever, but we don't. That's the issue. And look, I love Jake. It's not a thing. Of, it's nothing against Jake's Jake. role. Jake's role to help this team is not on Friday night. He has done an admirable, uh, admirable job on Friday night, and I hope that he understands that. And I'm not at all taking a shot. What I'm saying is, Blake McGee. Look, I get, I understand why they like Blake McGee. His spin rate is out. His cutter is stupid. He's got movement. He's got every pitch you want. He throws four plus pitches. I get it, but you got to be able to be healthy. You got to be. I can't use you if you're not available. 
So I don't know where he fits on this team just yet. Hopefully they take it easy on him and they let him come back the way he needs to come back. What, what I'm trying to make the point is on Friday, I don't need you to go out and throw seven shutout innings. This is why I like Cooper Rawls. Give him a start on Friday. What could be worse? Give me five shutout innings. Give me five innings of two-hit baseball, two-run baseball, whatever. Let the, let the hitters go to work. I don't necessarily think we got to have somebody to shut somebody down or shut a team down on a Friday in order to be able to win. We can win with four, five, six runs if we're not allowing 15 free passes on a freaking Friday. Cody Butte. All right. He's a Cody Friday night Butte. guy on this team. Yeah. Cody Butte, Greg Milhorn, was it Greg Milhorn that went down? Cody had to replace him on Sunday. Yeah, Cody his, was a, his parents Cody were actually was a, at the Teague this weekend. Oh, nice. Well, Cody was a contact pitcher. He was going to give up hits. He was going to give up three or four runs at a time. But you know what he didn't do? He didn't walk batters. Didn't hit people. He didn't hit batters. He didn't get free bases. He was a contact pitcher. That performance against Mississippi State in 2014 when they came to the Teague, he gave up about, I think it was three or four runs. Three runs. And yeah. they got some hits off of him. But – the only thing he did was give up a few hits and give up a few runs. He didn't, like I said, no walks. No, he wasn't a charity case on the mound. And then he let the offense do what the offense was good at doing that year. I'll take that all day right now. Give me somebody who may give up some hits, give up some runs. But the freebies, we are a charity on the mound. That's what's so hard to see because if our bat, it's, it's like any offensive team. If you can't hit the ball or you have an off night at the plate, and you're giving away freebies, you're not going to win. Friday night was a prime example of that. I've been nervous about that all season long of what happens. Remember, Josh, we've talked about this. What if the bats go cold and we have no pitching? Friday night was that. That was the epitome of that. It's Nick, frustrating. What, what did Tony I'm say sorry, forever? I'm a little ag aggravated. It's frustrating. No, this is what it. we're here for. It's therapeutic. Yeah. Nick, Robe said all the time, you can't hit your way to Omaha. Yep. You, can't, you cannot do it. It's because... Hitting is consistent. It's inconsistent. You're going to have off days. You're going to have on days. But what you can do is always play good defense and you can always have a guy on the mound that's going to give you a chance to win. And again, with this offense, with a Hood and a Brock and all these other guys, JT and all these guys, you don't need somebody to go out. And I understand that the game has evolved. You know, they all of a sudden, like this year, I think Kendall Rogers was keeping up with the home runs. It's like triple the amount of home runs. The game has evolved. The live ball's back. The bats have changed. I get it. I don't need you to go out and throw 80 pitches of, of, of no hits and no runs. By the but way. You can't hit people. You can't walk people. I'm going to just say the latest thing is that global warming has something to do with more home runs. You saw year. that, huh? I saw that. I'm not, we're not going to get into that because, you know, that's a rabbit we're, hole. We're, a we're an apolitical show. But, yes. look, the, the one thing I can appreciate from Nezu is – he yeah he he gave up four runs right but he attacked the zone he walked one guy i think he hit a guy but he attacked the zone and yes he's going to give up home runs because he attacks the zone but you would expect a guy giving up four runs we're going to score more than four and we didn't so i appreciate look and i think jackson's a sunday guy i think you switch what we I did agree. today you switch anyway but again I would rather a guy like Jackson go out and and give up four runs and and on on two bombs than walking five guys hitting three batters. Dude, what was today in one inning? How many how many hit batters? Four, five, four. That four. is inexcusable and in Division One baseball. We if we we can't do that. I don't care who the pitcher is. 
You can be my favorite pitcher, my least favorite. You cannot hit four batters in an inning. That is inexcusable. You are putting your position, yourself in a position to lose. And I feel like it's progressed from, from, from the beginning of the season where we had serviceable pitching. We were kind of questionable, but we were, we were getting it done to now other teams are figuring out what we're doing. And if I hear one more time that Southeastern gets hit by pitches, I don't care. Don't throw the ball in the batter's box. How about that? How, many, how about you don't do that? And then you won't have a hit by pitch. I don't care many, if you're leading the, the country. Just don't throw it there. Why are we doing that? That is basic speaking, to me. Speaking of Southeastern, you lose the game by one run. They get a go-ahead home run in the eighth. You were still in it. But yet you look back and you rewind at why they were tied. Well, you played like shit the whole game. But you hit seven batters, and like three of those guys scored runs. You but, get you had like lead, four. Jerry, they Jerry. lead the NCAA and hit batters, so Jerry, we should just let it go. No, you realize we that we gave up fifteen free passes on on Wednesday and on Friday. Thirty That's free nice. passes in two games is. I don't even know what to say. Well, about you, you went, look, you went 0 and 2 in those two nights. You went 0 for 2. So uh, obviously that affected your, that's two losses right there by doing that. So, yes, I, I mean, no, nah. we're, we're a charity. We're being a charity right now. We got to stop being a charity on the mound. We're beating ourselves, and that's the most frustrating part. Okay. So, Marshall, we go do that unfamiliar territory. Uh, I thought we kind of played like C plus series, but. Marshall still has a long way to go. They have a lot of things that need to be done in their baseball program in order to get to where they want to be. Fully expect them to do that because, like we said, when Marshall commits to something, they do it right. I think they're going to be fine. Uh, they have a couple of guys that are players, uh, but but they're a long way from a complete roster. I thought we were fine. I thought we mostly pitched okay. Offense showed up. It's a sweep on the road. Regardless of how you want to look at it, that's good. Our RPI went up like 24 spots, I think it was. So it was a successful weekend, regardless. Um, and in the league, anytime you play a league team, uh, that's going to be good for you. You know, I mean, it looks good. I don't know. I think their RPI was like 112 at one point. It, it might have gotten worse, but it was fine. It wasn't like playing ULM, who got totally destroyed today, by the way. Uh, so great result on the weekend, last weekend against Troy. Um, excuse me, Marshall. Uh, and then we come home Tuesday to play Tech. And I don't care how bad Tech is. I don't care if they're 0 and 30, whatever. The Teague was rocking. The boys were there to play. Uh, you could tell in the dugout there was a little bit of extra juice. There was some buzz in the stadium. And we just blew their doors off. It was fun to kick their ass. I love beating them no matter what we play. So uh, it, it was just good to, uh, to, 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 to beat them. Cooper Rawls owns Neck. He just does. He goes out. I think he went into the game in the second inning and pitched into the fifth. I'm sorry, the seventh. I think he went almost maybe five, maybe four and two-thirds. Great. I know he gave up the home run towards the end there. Uh, but, again, he's just he's just trying to fill the strike zone. And and the hitters protected him all night long. Uh, any takeaways from the Tech game? I had a whole lot of fun being at the park. Can they I just ask a question? Yeah. I don't have a takeaway. I'll let you go, Jerry. My takeaway is that what is it about Lane Burroughs that I just don't like? Is it because because he coaches coached at Northwestern, right? And I and I didn't not like him when he was the Northwestern coach, but now that he's at Tech, there I I just don't like the. Is it because he's at Tech, or is there? Am I missing something? It's that, and then also he walks really slow, and it drives me nuts. But he does that everything might be really it. slowly. I hate it. That might be it. What that's you got, all, Jerry? That's the only takeaway I got. <laughs> 
Well, it was, it was not only fun to beat them, like you said, Josh, the atmosphere at the Teague was fantastic, even for a Tuesday night. Um, but also, too, how ironic, and, and it's almost like Tech's just getting bad luck after bad luck after bad luck across their entire athletic department. I knew he really was going to bring this up. <laughs> they lose to us on Tuesday, and then on Wednesday, they lose back-to-back to ULM. So Aww. they're 0-3. They got, not only did they lose to us on Tuesday, they got swept by ULM for the year. They're oh, 0-2 so against sad. ULM. Oh, and so awful. Their only redemption that they have, the only redemption that they have, we go back to Ruston and I think in like another few weeks, the only redemption they have is to maybe try to beat us. So there'll be one and three combined against both UL and ULM. So Start Rawls. They don't have a I chance. Thought that was, I thought that was funny to see. Uh, I was waiting whenever, I think the 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 moonshot that John Taylor hit across to right field is still a orbiting somewhere. A freaking tank, dude. The second he did it, I, of course, I'm looking, I'm like, all right, the video's getting warmed up. Warming it it's up. It's getting warmed up. <laughs> and so, uh, no, it was just a good win. I mean, look, the guys play with fire. And and that was a game. I know it was a midweek game. And I know Tech isn't as good as they have been over the last few years. But it felt like our team played with a sense of, like, this energy. And, and yes. Look, we were down three to one. And you saw the way they came back and rallied. You saw the way they responded down three to one. And I'm just watching this and I'm going, man, like, this is the team that we've we've been hyped about well, going you didn't, into the You season. didn't see it against App State. You didn't see it no. this weekend. Mm-mm. What was it about Tech? Was it because a bunch I, of the players right. know them? And, I mean, you're right, but but it's this it's a stark difference between the two. You know, and I don't and you think Tech it. was I don't think App State was that much better than Tech. No, I don't hell think no. High Point was that much no. better than Tech. I don't think some of these teams, you know, South Alabama again, the Friday night, you know, they're not that much better than Tech or I don't I mean we just played with a certain level of energy. But I think, on Josh, I think you alluded to it. And and look, we're going to play the team across the basin. Is it this week we play them? Tuesday, Tuesday. I, night, yeah. And I said, we're going to get our butts kicked if we play again like we did this weekend. But you almost feel like, and Kimball hinted to this when we had him on the pod. He's like, you know, a couple of big teams that we 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 get hyped up for. And, 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 and that team across the basin is one of them because everybody knows each other. So like you said, Jerry... They get hyped up because they know them. I I mean, what, it would not blow my mind if we go out and beat that team this week. I'm not expecting it, but it would not shock me because, again, it means a little bit more to them. But, I, okay, but in conference, you're playing Troy. I don't care if you don't know the guys on the team. We still need to bring that intensity. So why didn't we have that intensity that we had at, at Tech against Southeastern or Troy? Because I didn't see anything this weekend that made me feel, again, fuzzy inside about being intense and wanting to win the games. It felt like business as usual. We need to start a pin pile uh, situation so we can get to know all the players on all the league teams. Yeah, well, <laughs> Friday night, I mean, I know I'm trying to jump in the gun here, but like Friday night, we were just playing catch up. I mean, you're down. I mean, you, you, we gave away so many runs to the point, Nick, that we still fought back, but it just wasn't enough. Again, when you're a charity and you give too much away, sometimes it's hard to get a lot back. Um, to your point about LSU or the school across the basin, as we call them, put your money in the freaking swear jar. Sorry. Sorry. I shouldn't have said LSU A&M. How's that there? Their full name, the legal name. But anyway, it makes me laugh. Cause I remember in 2009 when I was a student, uh, my buddy and I went to the game in Baton Rouge and that was a year where we actually finished the season with a losing record. If I don't, if I recall, that was one of those games, Nick, that we really weren't expected to win. They were in the top five. I think we were below 500 and, um, 
we hit like three bombs in their stadium. That was the Scott Hawkins home run. In Scott the Hawkins hit one. Yep. I mean, I, I, was the- I, had, I had a few classes with Scott and we joke about it. I'm like, yeah, dude, I think the ball you hit, I don't even know if it landed yet. Uh, and, and we went up eight to one and we're, we're sitting around a bunch of their fans. We're in the grandstand and we actually got along with a lot of their fans and we're laughing and we're going, yeah, this is not what we've seen all year. This is weird to us because they were ranked in the top. 10 we weren't and we were just dominating they make a comeback and then we respond with a go-ahead bomb by scott hawkins hit it over the freaking i mean in the in the ninth inning and we end up winning the game and i know it was a midweek game but then we come back that following weekend at home against fau and they sweep us and i'm like wait a minute what is this like it's like you just beat it you just beat a team right down the road uh, you basically go home run derby in Alex box and then you come back to the team and you get swept by a bad FAU team. Like, what is this? But John McCormick, like, John McCormick's one of my favorite coaches of all time. He coaches for, I think he's still coached from FAU, but anyway, can I change the subject? Who hit the bomb that T Mick is still looking for a drug emporium? That was JT. When, what, what game was that? Was that tech tech tech? Yeah. The longest. So people were talking about the longest ball hit out of the Teague. By far the longest ball, home run ball I've ever seen. And Philip Hawk had some. Mo Haney, I think it was 1998. That dude hit a shot that I swear is still rotating in somewhere in the atmosphere. I have never seen a ball hit that hard in my entire life. Except maybe Philip Hawk at the team across the base in one year. He hit one pretty far. Philip used to hit some over the pine trees. But look, no, no. No, I'm telling you, Mo Haney hit that didn't hit it over the pine trees. He hit it over the KLFY Doppler radar, <laughs> whatever it was at the time. That, that <laughs> Mo Haney, I'm telling you, Mo Haney, and you guys might not remember him. The old school I guys do. Yeah. That dude hit some bombs, and and okay, I just had to, I had to take the moment to acknowledge that Mo Haney, Mo Haney, listen to me, Mo Douglas is his name. Mo Douglas hit the. The bombs that there was one that just went for miles. So sorry, Mohaney, you're doing you're doing real Real estate. estate. Mo Douglas is the guy who hit who hit the bombs that are that are still traveling in the atmosphere today. Hog Daddy hit some freaking monstrous shots. Well, he did. Dallas Clark hit a couple of bombs too. But the the thing about JT's home run that was so majestic was how I mean, Jerry, you saw it. I mean, the moment it left the bat, the entire stadium knew it was out, and it was so high. Hi, it was a moonshot. It was, it, there was dude, no I'm way the ball you, was landing anywhere no inside. competition from Mo Douglas. That dude, he had it, some shots. He, 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 it looked like it'd be a pop up in the infield, and that thing was still going. It was yeah. insane. I, I think the one that JT hit, Josh, if I'm not mistaken, if I'm not mistaken, it landed on the track. Landed it? on the track. It went 401. Yeah. If you hit a ball 401 to dead right field, I mean, that's a yeah. bomb. But uh, again, I say that to me, it was impressive because of just. The height. I mean, it was a free. You couldn't even see the ball half a second after it left the bat. So that was yeah, cool. Uh, that was but, awesome. But anyway, look, awesome. we beat Tech 10-5. It was a good time. Everybody uh, everybody that was in the stadium was treated to a good ball game. And, of course, the Cajuns win. Then we turn around and go to Hammond, Louisiana, and play Southeastern. Uh, the king of getting hit by pitch. And they stood on top of the plate, and they induced, I think, six 
six hit by pitches? No, maybe no, seven? No, stop. They didn't induce. We threw it into the freaking <laughs> batter's box. <laughs> I'm so tired of people saying we induced it. No, don't hit him. How about that? How about how about our pitchers just don't throw it into the batter's box where the batter is? And then you don't have this crazy statistic. I'm tired of people saying that. We there you did have it. it. There Not you have them. it. Nick, to, straight to the pitching staff. You guys were throwing it in the other batter's box. No. Anyway, way too many hit by, by pitches, way too many walks. We gave them too many things that they did not earn, and we ended up losing the game 5-4. to four. We, I, you know, I'll give credit to the offense. They fought, but you think you can score more than four against Southeastern during a midweek game, but in two games against them, we've scored six runs. But so, look, credit to Southeastern. No, they took advantage game. of every opportunity we gave them. And that's that's the epitome of Southeastern baseball. They will do that. So and they Matt did Reiser's what they a great do. coach. He's going to find ways to get his guys on base. I've I've always had a ton of respect for Matt Reiser, and they always have a guy. And this year it's Champ RT, and they always have a guy that'll go out in a midweek and give you a good start. And in two games they got it. I know we beat them at at the Teague two to nothing, but they had a great start. Uh, and they Johnny Allstaffed it, which was imp- impressive to me. Uh, but to me, that's just. If you're trying to get on a heater and you're trying to get some momentum, you can't lose that game. You can't lose that game. And, and and I hate the fact that we gave them what they got. I mean, at the end of the day, we beat ourselves again. How many times? Probably six or seven times this year I can say that, that we beat ourselves. Um, so, yeah, we lose to Southeastern before we, we come home to Troy. And we can get into Troy, but if you guys have any thoughts about Southeastern. I just put two and two together and realized that J.R. Teague is Champ Arteague's dad. Correct. And J.R. Teague used to be the coach. Now he's AD. That and just... Then, they have an RT at Southern Miss, too. Yeah. Well, Jay says RTs, but I'm from Louisiana, so I'm going to say RT. <laughs> That's crazy. I, think, I didn't know that. I think what was the most frustrating for me, besides the, the freebies we gave them, was in the ninth inning. They retired the side. They retired our side. Strike Struck us. all three out. Yeah. I mean, we were just swinging at breaking balls, chasing breaking balls. And, I mean, it was just it was just bad. And, and that was hard to watch because – you know, usually for one thing I'll give credit to our to our lineup is that we always find a way to battle to the final out. Like even when we're down, we'll still battle. We'll still get guys on base. And just all three of our batters just swung at breaking balls. And just it happened whiffed. on Friday again, too, Jerry. Whiffed and just, yeah, I don't know. But that was that was tough. Down to with the whimper is what it felt like. Yeah. I can't stand staring at strike three. If it's close, swing the freaking bat. You know what I mean? And. Again, it's not a shot at the players. I know you're in a tough spot. You, you're, you're behind the eight ball. I get it. Go down swinging. Please don't stare at strike three. And I understand. Look, Friday night, the guy behind the plate was a complete joke. Nick, you probably saw it on TV. Why so do we bad. keep saying this? Oh, so And bad. no, I didn't see it on TV because it wasn't Because it wasn't televised. But oh, anyway. Yeah. Uh, touch the I, nerve there. I got many, many texts from people that were in attendance telling me how awful it was. Why are we having this conversation every single weekend in conference play? And I don't care if we win or lose. It's the same thing every weekend. Why can we not be better? Number five RPI conference in America. And we can, and we got three, three freaking umps and they're all terrible. Three umps, all terrible. I I don't know, dude. It's so frustrating and I, and I get it. It, it's just it makes the game experience just terrible, you know. And I sit behind Regina Rawls, so literally anything <laughs> that's not perfect, it's it's a thirteen hour rant. But it's not about about being perfect. I mean, perfect is okay. Let's talk about perfect example today. There was a call at first base where it was bang bang man, 
and the, the call was out and they did the replay four or five times and we're looking at it and we're like, oh man, you really cannot tell. It looks like it's a bang, bang play, but the call in the field was he's out. They came back and said he was safe. There is no way from the three angles that we saw that anybody with any common sense could have said we have enough evidence to overturn this because it is absolutely, you know, we're, we're confident absolutely with no doubt that that this the guy was safe and it didn't come back to bite us. But it was like, I feel like I like replay to a certain extent. I don't like that. It takes five minutes to review a play. But there were so many times a season that there have been replays, whether it went for us or against us, that there was no, like, from the replays we saw, it was not inconclusive, and they still overturned it. So I, that's confusing me. Like, who is making these calls? Because, again, from the three angles we saw today, it was like, there's no way you can overturn it. Oh, well, they overturned it. He's safe. And there was one, I think, on Friday night where it was it was a slide in the third, and they slowed it down, and the guy tagged him in the chest, but it looked like his hands got in. He was called safe. They overturned it. Like, there was absolutely no angle in, in, in the view that they should have said, this is inconclusive. We are overturning it. So I'm so confused as to what is the, the reasoning or what you have to have to overturn a call because it was my opinion unless you have no doubt that you overturn it it stays on the field and there are several times a season where it's not been the case well and line Abear pointed this out why is the official that made the call reviewing his own freaking call how is that allowed because we only have four three umpires <laughs> yeah so still, well, to, go to, to me the home plate umpire should make the umpires. call if you have a if you have a, a a a crew chief or whatever, it should be the home plate umpire. You make him review it. The guy who made the call at first base should not be looking at the at the call that he made. But look, because at the I end get, of the day, no official wants to go. Yeah, yeah, I screwed that up. Yeah, he's safe or he's out. No, nobody does. And then there's got to be some sort of check and balance on that. But again, it's happened, and sometimes it's happened in our favor. So I'm not saying it's going against us. I'm just saying. For them to overturn a call that I have seen a replay in five different slow motions in three different angles, and you cannot determine whether or not it's the case, how is somebody on the field saying, oh, you know what? I see it better than everyone else. Let's overturn it. It, I, that, I, it boggles my mind. And again, it leads to the whole thing of why is our officiating in baseball, which is our, our, you know, we've been, we've been at this for many, many years in the Sun Belt. We should have top line officiating. Why is it getting worse? Why is it not getting better? I don't understand it. Well, especially now you're a top five RPI conference. I mean, you're a top 10 conference in college baseball. You would think you'd find some competent umpires and not only competent umpires, but you got to find a fourth umpire. We need four umpires. I mean, I, I, that there's conferences like that are that that probably have less funding and less resources than we do that have four umpire crews, and yet well, we a, don't have one. It's a cost cutting measure from COVID that they carried over, and I get that, but we're way beyond that now. So, but again, the coaches, fine. it's a it's a coaching decision. So COVID coaches, is over. Yes, they have the coaches have to come back for their meetings after the season and say, look, this can't be. We we no. need the fourth umpire. Because it hurts now everybody. It's, it's not just UL. 
But again, you are not, you're no longer a top 15 conference. You're a top five conference now. Act like you need a fourth umpire. Act like, yeah. Thank you. Yes, exactly. Exactly. If you can afford, if you can afford instant replay, you can afford a fourth umpire and a competent fourth umpire. I think, I think in conference, uh, instant replay is now mandatory, which is great. What? Fantastic. Well, then the fourth well, umpire should be mandatory. It still doesn't work. Yes. It still doesn't go, work. Fi- go find a fourth umpire. <laughs> that should be mandatory as well. I'm with you. So Friday, I know we ended up nine to six, but they dominated. I think we were eight to three going into the seventh, and we really didn't put up that much of a fight. I know we scored some runs uh, late in the game, but overall, again, we kind of touched on it. Jake, love Jake, uh, but that's three starts and four outings where you kind of scratch your head and say, you know, what are we doing here on Friday nights? It really puts the pitching in a bind when you start pulling out three and four pitchers on Friday, everything changes, changes the rotation train, changes the usage, changes everything. Um, I like Jake. I know he's valuable to the pitching staff. Maybe Friday night is not the role for him. I think we've already kind of discussed that. Uh, you come back. The weather was not what it was supposed to be on Saturday. You miss an opportunity to play. We talked about that. And then you do the hardest thing in baseball and you come back on Sunday and try to win two games. Obviously, the first game did not go your way, or game two did not go your way. Game two, I will be honest with you, uh, and shout out to the Cajun Racers, who are Silver Division champions and will play for a league championship on Tuesday. 36 goals for two against, no big deal, just saying. Um, So I wasn't totally, completely invested in the baseball game, I'll be honest. Uh, but I know you guys were, so I'll get some takes off of you guys from from game two. Anything stood out? Anything that uh, needs to be talked about? I mean, I, I mean, I paid attention to the game, but you guys probably had a little more insight than I did. I'll give you a quick um, take on that. Hit by pitch. Pop on. Hit by pitch. Hit by pitch. Hit by pitch. Again, based on balls. Um, we, we actually we did a little bit better with with the walks, but. Again, just attack the strike zone, man. If you give up a home run, you give up a home run. I would be like, like I said, with Nezu, if 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 you, you got a guy who's attacking the zone and gives up a couple homers, I'm okay with that. You gotta expect your 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 hitters to come and protect the pitching. Right now, our hitters are not protecting the pitching, but you still got you still gotta attack the zone, man. Like I would have rathered us lose 12 to 2. Had we attacked the zone and given up a bunch of home runs, I, I wouldn't be pleased, but at least we're not giving away free base runners. That drives me crazy. You have a job, and that's to get guys out, and you can't do that when you're hitting them in their batter's box. Just stop doing that. I I, I mean, it. we've got to be in the top 10 or 15 and hit, hit by pitches this season or free base runners, free base runners for sure. I mean, this is it. it, This has been the most frustrating part of watching the pitching staff is that you've got a capable staff. You think you've got a capable staff, but they give away too many free bases. If you cut that down, we might have another five wins this season. Yeah. The the Saturday, uh, not Saturday, the Sunday game one, I thought was, uh, it was winnable really through five innings. I mean, Jackson gave up uh, a home run on a two run shot to left field on two outs. And then another uh, a one run Homer um, to center field. And it was by the, I forgot his name, but it was the same guy back to back, back to back Jacks. And it was really, he gave up three runs, but we didn't get our first base hit till the sixth inning. 
So we 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 were we were making contact, but we we couldn't get on base. We weren't putting the ball in play to where we were able to to get base hits, and that was frustrating because we were still making contact, and they were hard outs. We had a bunch of hard outs to center field, but at the same time, if they can hit or if they can get on base and they can you know get the get the two homers from the same guy, you would you would have thought okay maybe we can get something something in response, and we didn't do it, and then. That one inning, we hit four batters, like Nick said. And after that, again, the dam broke. And now you're, instead of it being, I think it was three to one at one point. Yeah, we got, uh, uh, Rocco got on base from an error. And we basically, you know, got him home through a few sacrifice hits, a few sack flies or whatever. But then it's three to one, you're back in the game. We hit four batters, the bases are loaded. Then it turns into a five to one game because you gave them two runs off of hit batters. That that part at that point, I'm like, well, we just threw away game two. It's over. We're going to lose a series, and hopefully we, by some miracle, we come back in game three and get it done. Um, so we were still in position to win. We were still in position to respond. But whenever we were given the opportunity to respond, we couldn't get base hits, and we gave them free bases. That and was by game the way, two. How about, so we had 28 strikeouts in two games, in our first two games. That was the other 28. Thing. Yeah. So if you can't get guys out and you're hitting them and you can't get a base hit because you're striking out, that is a recipe for disaster. And here's that's other, exactly here, what here, happened. Here's the other thing, Nick. What was frustrating, like, look, we know that Dex is going to build a team that's going to hit to win. We all know that, okay? We And Teller is a good pitcher. He is the Friday night guy for Troy. He is, he's got good stuff. But his ERA was six. We did nothing for half the game. Saturday, or well, game two, the guy, well, well, the guy that they brought in after Teller had a 70 RA. Now he was throwing 98, 96. So obviously he had good stuff, but I mean, this guy wasn't like pinpoint accuracy or anything. So you would think that you could get to him. Like we're supposed to have this offense that's going to win games for us. That's what we're built around. You got to get something off of that guy. But Josh, how then, many times have we said it this season? Oh, this guy has a 6.0 ERA. We got it. this and we don't. I, and and then you got guys who have a two point three RA, and we we kick the you know crap out of them. Like it's it's just inconsistency, which is what we talked about when we were twenty three and and nine, and we were like it didn't feel like it. Like we're because we're so inconsistent, and we don't know if our pitching's gonna be up to par. And and from one night or our hitting, like we just don't know what we're getting game to game. And that's what we're missing. That's what we need to see. That's what we need to feel is that you, yes, we weren't always a, a, a hitter's team, but we knew we had a bullpen and we had a starting pitching. Uh, you know, we had the three guys. We knew what we were getting into every weekend. We're more than halfway through the season and we still have so many question marks. And and for for a fan watching, you don't know what you're getting into game to game to game. And that's for me, I get we're chaotic on offense and all this stuff, but I would like to see a little consistency somewhere because that's scary going into the second half of the season, not even knowing who one, two or three are for you. Yeah. And, and look, I like, I like fun baseball to watch. All right. I get it. It's fun. They score runs and Jack's break backs and they get people out of the seats and everything. I, I just miss being able to throw strikes. I'm sorry. I'm old school. You can, you know, old man shouting at clouds. I understand. I just want to throw strikes. I want to get people out. We haven't done that in a long time. Uh, 
And look, I know we won the game. We're moving on to game three. I know we won game three. And this was just a tough week. I mean, really, if you put it in perspective, all the things, all of our issues that we've had, it felt like it all kind of came to a head this week in what I thought was a crucial week. You're at the midway point of the Sunbelt Conference schedule. You played two midweek games where you felt like you could go 2-0. and Tech's bad this year. Well, they're certainly not as good as they have been. And, and Southeastern, they're not terrible, but they had, been, they had lost six in a row. You know, I mean, that's got to be a win because you gave them everything they had. And we, we were just making a living doing that or, or not making a living doing that. We, we, we have too much talent to be where we are at this point. And Nick, you mentioned the schedule and the early season success. And we said it many times. Like, who have we played? We haven't played this soft of a non-conference schedule uh, in, I don't know, seven years. Go back and look what BYU is doing right now. They're terrible. Go back and look at Rice. Now, Rice is... They've kind of played a middling schedule after uh, they played some pretty decent non-conference opponents, but it's been pretty middling lately, but they're a 500 ball club. There's no reason, there's no reason to blow that game on Sunday with a five run lead. We just haven't high point has been awful. They've won 10 games this year. Uh, They dominated us on Saturday at home. Like these are the things that that just cannot happen to a good baseball team. Uh, Campbell and coastal, and we'll get into the league in a minute, but Campbell and coastal had a great uh, three games in the midweek. Campbell took two. Coastal took one. Um, oh, no, it was one and one, and they have one to come. That's what it is. Campbell's as good as we thought they were, maybe even better. Coastal Carolina is good. I, I You know, that's going to be fun going over there to uh, to Kobe Carolina and playing them. I think that's going to be, oh, they come to the Teague? Yeah, okay, so they come to the Teague. Well, the good thing is that we play well at the Teague. So that's an advantage for us. Uh, but... They're a good baseball team. I think they're 14th in the country right now. Their RPI is number nine, I believe, nine. and their strength of schedule is nine as well. So they're playing good baseball. They're playing good baseball teams, and they're they're battle-tested, something we're not. Maybe it's a blessing in disguise to get them to come in here and, you know, show us a thing or two. I don't know. hate to say that. We own them. I think we're like seven and one against them all time. Eight and four. Eight and four? Okay. Eight, four, and one, I think it is, something like that. So, man, that's a good omen, I guess, but – Tough week. Tough week. Is, I don't know, is, man. I feel like... And then losing Julian and losing Debo again, which, by the way, why the hell is Debo in the freaking lineup four days after he had surgery? What are you doing? Let him heal. Anyway. But does it not feel like, at this point of the season, like, I feel like last year, we were getting to this point of the season where we're like, oh, we're, like, pushing to, like, make a regional. Like, we're pushing to be you know, have a high enough RPI to get in and not have to win the tournament. Yes. And this year, it feels like the opposite. Yeah, it feels like way. we're almost backing up into, well, hopefully we win the tournament because we ain't getting in with this RPI. That That's the feel. And I feel like I'm not the only one who feels like that. I feel like other fans feel the same way, is that we feel like we're backing out of making a regional this year versus trying to play into one. I think for me, the concern is, and and I look, I'm not a pitching coach. I don't know how to work the rotation, but I'm looking at what we've done. And I feel like, look, Blake's Blake came off an injury. And you've seen his last two performances. He looks like a Friday night guy to me right now. Jackson, I would say keep him in the Saturday, and I'd say let Jake go on Sunday. No, nothing against Jake, but our best performances we've seen in pitching have been on the tail end of the weekend. I mean, Cooper, look at what Cooper did today. 
against a team that hit the ball pretty well against us the last two days. Look at that combo t- in that in that in that third game. But Who's Jerry, that? you gotta you Jerry, gotta think about this though. You're going into a game where you're playing with house money. Okay. Troy's approach is not gonna be what it was if it were a rubber match. And I'm not taking anything away from Blake here. I'm just saying you're not gonna get the same fire if you're trying to win a series as you're gonna get if you're just trying to get the sweep. But he's it's done a different it. deal. It's it's but been, he's done it's it been twice a couple in a of row, different though, times. Yeah, but he's well. done it twice in a row. It's not like he had a, a bad game and a good game. Like he he dominated he dominated Marshall last week. Now, granted, it's Marshall. Right. But you've I'm seeing the, the guy's coming off an injury, and I'm seeing but I'm seeing consistency. And Cooper too. Same thing with well, Cooper. Cooper Cooper Rolls has been consistent since last year. In my view, he got the short end of the stick last year and this year over a stupid vape pin. Give me a break. So so let me just ask you guys this question. We play James Madison there next week. On the road, that's correct. Okay, so who is the pitcher that gives you the best chance to win on Friday night against JMU? I mean, right now, and this is recency bias, but McGee. Okay, so we we put him out on Friday night. I'm thinking you got McGee on Friday, and you do Nezu on Sunday. And take your chances on Saturday. That's my opinion. Unless we we drop the Friday game, but Nezu, I'm I'm telling you, I don't like Nezu as a Saturday. I want him on Sunday. He's a career five and a half ERA. He's a Sunday guy. Now, he's, he's a Sunday dude. Great, and, he's, he's had some great performances, but it doesn't change who he is. And again, he's going to give up some long balls, but but that's what he does. He attacks the zone. But you're going. You have to. Look, you put him against a Sunday guy, I'm taking Nezu every single time. I agree. A, against a Saturday guy? I don't know because they got some damn good Saturday pitchers. But you, we have got to figure out who our best pitcher on the staff is and put him on Friday night. Going forward, no feelings. I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. But we have got to start thinking in the terms of we have to make a regional and we're going to have to do it by winning the conference tournament at this point because our RPI is not cutting it to make a regional at large at large bid. So who is going to give you the best chance on Friday night? And I think that we have to figure out sooner than later. And it's got to start against JMU. Well, that's why I think that's why I think as a fan, I mean, as a fans from a fan's point of view, that's why I think they need to kind of see what the change rotation up a little bit. The weekend rotation. It's no hard feelings, like you said. It's nothing against any of these guys. I think all three are capable, but if you re- if you reorder it a little bit, I think all three should be starters. But maybe move them around, play some musical chairs. I mean, again, you look. We're on the outside looking in right now for a regional. I mean, that's just a fact, regardless of the record. We're on the outside looking in. We, if they had a prediction, I mean, there were some predictions or projections last week that didn't even have us in a regional. Uh, I think there was one other one that had us as like the last four out or last four in. So you're on that cusp. So now you need to find a way to say, okay, moving forward, if we want to be in the club, if we want to get in, how do we do it? And what's the rotation to get us there? We're still tied for second in the Sun Belt. So I don't know if we're on the outside looking in, but based on our trajectory, we have to do some things to fix that. So the Cajuns end up, you know, losing two of three at home to Troy, which I think Troy's RPI is around 30 right now, which good for them. Ours has taken a dive into the 70s, uh, late 70s, last time I checked. Not great. Uh, and if you pair that with a lackluster strength of schedule, doesn't look good. Uh, we have some opportunities, like I said, against Coastal. We have some 
road opportunities to kind of uh, to, to get back into maybe the 50s, 60s, but it's not looking good. But speaking of the league, we'll move on to that for now. James Madison goes to Southern Miss, gets swept. Uh, Southern, excuse me, UL Monroe loses two of three at South Alabama, who all of a sudden is now seven and eight in conference play. Uh, we know how bad they are, so I'm not really going to take much out of that. Uh, but, you know, whatever. Um, let's see. Texas State had an interesting series this weekend. They hosted Marshall, and I wanted to see how Marshall was going to bounce back on the road after getting swept by us. They go to they go to San Marcos and get swept. Well, again, Texas State in their stadium? They beat anybody. Yep. It's true. The Cracker Jack ballpark thing drives me nuts, even though it makes them a non-factor in postseason play. They beat Texas last week. And they beat the hell out of them, 9-3. to three. Yeah. In their ballpark, though. That's right. That's been a really good midweek series for the last few years, by the way. Some really exciting baseball. Georgia State uh, hosts Arkansas State and lost 2-3. to three. Two, two of three. Uh, excuse me. Yes, they lost two of three at Georgia State. Um, Georgia State isn't any good. I think they're the worst team in the conference this year, which is surprising because at one time last year they had a top 10 RPI, and before the Cajuns went to Georgia and swept them in their Little League ballpark. Uh, and I they think looked, they got off to a really good start this year too. Yeah, they had a couple of nice wins. They beat Tech, Georgia Tech. Yeah. And, uh, you know, things looked like they were okay, but no, nah, it's not been good. It's not been good. Coastal Carolina continues to sport a very nice RPI. They took two of three at Old Dominion. Uh, Old Dominion was in first place in the Sunbelt Conference uh, and just tearing the cover off the baseball. So that's a very, very nice series win for, for uh, Coastal Carolina. Georgia Southern, again, they continue to be one of the strange teams in the league. I, I don't really understand. Enigma. They win. Yeah, they're an enigma <laughs> wrapped up in a conundrum. They win two of three versus App State. App State, uh, after you know their series win here and really playing some decent baseball lately, kind of inexplicable because Georgia Southern wasn't playing good ball. Uh, and they, they scored, let's see, total of 19 runs, 18 runs in the series. Kind of a, a little bit of a different result than I expected. And that's pretty much what happened in the league this, this weekend. Uh, I, again, we mentioned that Coastal went to Campbell and, and got a, a good win for the Sun Belt. Texas State, a good win. ODU played ECU and put up a good fight but ended up losing. Uh, there was another game that I'm it's slipping my mind. I'm trying to remember. But overall, Sun Belt Conference had a pretty decent week. Cajuns were not fortunate uh, to be among those teams. We did beat Tech, but they're not any good. So it's Kusa DOA. Anyway, that is that's a wrap, guys. Uh it's a ton of stuff to talk about. We did it in under two hours, so I'll feel pretty good about that. Sorry we took off for Easter, but we have families and you know things like that. I had to go hang out with Thelma and Harry and uh, and the Golden Girls, the Cajun Golden Girls out in, in Scompton. Thelma's watching right now, by the way, so watch what you say. <laughs> oh, it's only good stuff. I'm she still doesn't eating miss that sweet an episode. Pie. <laughs> I'm still eating that sweet dough pie. So, anyway. Jerry, uh, what you got to close out for the people? Uh, really, just, you know, I guess we'll just keep keep our heads up. We got a tough, tough stretch coming up these next four games, but 
I mean, stranger things have happened. Like we say, when you go across the base in a play, uh, you go in with a chip on your shoulder. Maybe we could find a way to pull it off. And, you know, we talk about RPI. We can shoot that thing up a good 10 spots if we get it done. What kind of confidence then, do you have in going to get a, a win against TSAB? Give me on a know. scale of one to 10, where's your confidence level? About a four. Oh, that's way higher than I have. I was going to say five. I was going to say four. two and a half. No, I'll say five. Have y'all seen I, him play? Dude, it's but but it's a midweek in, game, man. Yeah, it's a midweek game thing. against like, guys I, who know each other. Throw that dude. There have been there have been years where we were awful and went on the road and beat them. Two thousand nine. Guys know each other. Another one. Yeah, yeah, they know each other. It's midweek. Um, I am just looking forward to. I uh, look, Josh, and I know we joked about it. We probably could put a four a four-part podcast just about the name thing because I'm coming across all this historic newspaper articles about exactly how much that team or that school was against us through our entire existence as as SLI USLUL. We're doing a but, documentary. Yeah, we, we have to. And and it would be it would be in, very interesting I think for some people, but it'll be fun to see how many people you know, they said, well, we don't care what you call yourself, but three letters are going to be on that scoreboard this weekend. I think they don't care, about, but three letters are going to be on that scoreboard. This the weekend. fact we that know what they caring. are, the fact that they've been caring, since but they don't care. The they don't care, Jerry. They're well, going to spend all this time telling you they don't care, but there's three letters on that scoreboard. They, they this claim weekend. that they don't care since before the Beatles landed in the United States in 1960, when they were complaining about our name going from SLI to USL. Before that was actually spent, news to me before they spent $400,000 to campaign against us changing from USL to UL. I couldn't believe that. 400,000. Like, they had a problem with us changing our name to USL too. Like, man, I leave like, it's almost like <laughs> it's they crazy. have a problem with, everything that four-part podcast coming your way now real quickly real quickly i do want to bring something up and i don't know if this is the right place or not but we have a mascot conversation going what do you guys think about that no this is absolutely the right spot and actually had it on oh. the rundown here shout out to our boy Corey, who's put a ton of time and effort uh into at least sparking the conversation for the spirit leader the mascot whatever you want to call it albino al boudreau and you know Regardless of what happens, regardless of how this all turns out, you got to applaud somebody that cares enough to put that much, you know, energy, passion, time, money, effort into this whole thing. What do I think about it personally? I absolutely love the idea. I think the fact that he's tied it all in historically, everything on the mascot has its own story. I think that's exactly what you need. I think that kids will like it. My kids like it. So first, the first two people that I asked were the kids and they loved it. And I don't care what anybody says, those are the that is the linchpin to a good mascot. Because if you get them engaged, like the chicken, Jerry, you get them engaged, that's what matters. They, hey, mom, hey, dad, want to go to the game, want to watch the chicken or the mascot or Al or whoever. That's a big part of this, this whole equation. So shout out to Corey. I thought he I thought he did a fantastic job. I love the rendering. I love the character, love the idea. I love everything about it. Okay, so I'm gonna say again, shout out to Corey. That's awesome because I was talking about this during football season. Get a freaking mascot. I'm not crazy about an albino alligator. I'll admit it. I love the thought. I would rather have an albino alligator than have nothing, which is what we have now. 
Here is my problem. No one from anywhere attached to UL has said a damn thing about this. And we've been talking about this for almost a year. Okay. I brought it up. Fans got riled up. They started giving their thing. Corey got involved. He's it's almost been a year and the administration at UL, I'm not saying athletics. I'm saying the administration has not said a damn thing. I don't care if it's a chicken, an alligator, a monkey on a bike. I don't care what it is. We need something to connect kids in this community with the program. Not a fan of the alligator, but if that's what it has to be, I will support it. We need yeah, something. We really, we really don't. We don't matter. I don't care. We're not the target audience. No, but but like say something. Say yes. We acknowledge the fans want this, and we're working on something. Or just say something. It's been how long has Cayenne been not a part a of this? Years. How dare something, you, dude? He's right obviously, there. obviously, we want something. Why? That is my question. Why will no one say anything about this? Why is this such a taboo thing? Every other college has some, you know, spirit leader. We had a freaking chicken. Say something. It's not rocket science. Give us something. I don't. Look, I don't get it. I, I think there's this a way, a sense of. I, I don't know how to explain it, but like I've seen. First of all, shout out to Corey, for him to take time out of his. His schedule, he doesn't He doesn't work for the school or anything. He's just an alum who cares, just like we do. He cares. So he takes time out of his schedule to create this thing, the albino alligator. And look, I'm 50-50 I'm on it. I don't really, you know, do I love it? No. Do I like it? Yes. Do I think it's great? I think it's cool. I think it's a cool concept. And I think it's it's a start. The fact that we're actually having a conversation about a mascot is a start in spite of, like you said, in spite of it being an alligator, a bulldog, a chicken, a this, a that. Heck, get a random guy with overalls and Delcom Reeboks. I don't care. The fact of the matter is- where you at? (laughs) Yeah, poo-poo. Russell Heim, as we know, who was the the Cajun chicken. Russell tells a story, I think it was with Scott Prather, but when Scott was still on the air, talking about how he became the chicken. The USL Athletic Department at the time, this was back in the 1980s, of course, it was still USL. The USL Athletic Department had reached out to him because he had done other things in other costumes in the past. He made public appearances and stuff. I think it's Bud Man or something he had mentioned. And the USL Athletic Department was like, look, Cajun Man is not working. And I've seen people throw out, we need Cajun Man back. Cajun Man didn't work. They hated Cajun Man when it was here. Now they want him back. Russell was contacted. Because they were like, we need you to come in and replace Cajun Man because Cajun Man isn't working. So at the last minute, Russell goes and shops around Lafayette to find a costume. He's like, look, I, they wanted me to appear, I don't know how many days or whatever, but in a short amount of time to be a mascot. He goes to whatever, Party City or whatever local costume shop. He had a choice between a dog and a chicken, and he chose the chicken. And ends up being the chicken and he shows up in a random chicken costume. Now, if you were to say, go on KLFY or KTC or social media and say, we're going to choose a random chicken to be our mascot. You think people are, are mad now because there's some criticism to the alligator. Just imagine we chose a chicken, but it wasn't about the chicken. It wasn't about because he chose a chicken that made the mascot great. It was Russell inside the costume that made the Cajun chicken a legend. Now the Cajun chicken is probably one of the most famous mascots in Lafayette history. The point of the matter is whether it's an alligator or whatever, it's the person inside the costume. Personally, again, I'm 
here nor there about the alligator. If we can get albino and it works, great. But it's a matter of who's inside the alligator costume that makes the alligator costume or mascot a legend. We need to focus on that rather than what it is. Because here's the thing. Exactly. Like I see Joel made a comment. It wasn't about the chicken. It was about the person inside. Thank you. That goes for this mascot, whatever we choose, or if we decide to even have the conversation as a university on the mascot, it's about who's inside the costume that really counts. And so I look forward to this conversation. I hope it, it expands because at the end of the day, whether you like the alligator or not, it's plain and simple. Four simple words. We need a mascot. We need a mascot. So figure it out. Get it done. Because I'm telling you, you saw the the reception the Cajun chicken got. And look, Russell's in his 60s. And look at the excitement he brought that one night in the Cajun Dome when we played against Marshall. Look at the excitement. Look at the generation of fans he gained. The younger generation that didn't get to see him 25 years ago. You just bring a mascot like that in, and I, I'd be all for Russell training the student, whoever is the new mascot. And you bring those type of skits in, that's what gets fans, and that's what gets kids excited. We talk about kids becoming Cajun fans. That's how you become a Cajuns fan with something like that. So we need a mascot to the university, to anybody who is in charge of that, marketing and branding and all that. Please find us a mascot. It's so it's easy, time. dude. Why can't it's we time. get this right? It's, it's so time. easy. It's easy It's time. Stuff. And kudos to Corey for getting the conversation started. Yes. It's time. We kudos need a mascot. Corey. Look Agreed. at how much run is getting. That's That should tell you how much people care about it. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for joining. Please take time to go and review the podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. If you watch us on the YouTube channel, please subscribe. Tell somebody about us. Share the good word. Uh, as always, we appreciate your support. We appreciate our sponsors. And uh, it's been another good, fun show. Jerry, Nick, it's been a good time. I think I speak for the boys where I say thanks for all your support. We'll be back next week to talk, hopefully, a good week. Maybe we'll beat TSAB. That'd be fun. Uh, anyway, everybody, enjoy your week. Go Cajuns. Subscribe. Talk about the pod. Love y'all. Talk about Al, too, by the way. Keep that conversation going. That's important. Boys, it's been a pleasure. Later, guys.